triple B's. Gary Hoffman. Stay in your lane. Shannon Farron. I won't lie. Chardonnay helped a little, too. Gary. <laughs> Shannon. And I can do a five-minute plank, okay? Gary and Shannon. Say it was a Just like that. Do you get it? No. It's the volleyball scene. Oh, Music oh, got from it. Top Gun. Got We're it. on the beach. You get the volleyball courts are right there. There's shirtless men and, and women in what women wear to play volleyball wow. on the beach. Have you never been to the beach? Well, I don't focus my attention on the women's court. Sure you don't. You got know? it. Well, welcome everybody. We're live today at HQ Gastro Pub in Huntington Beach. This is a great, by the way, by far the best 10 o'clock crowd oh, so far. Oh, yeah. You guys really did well this morning. We're really excited. <laughs> this is not going to be like Gary's ninth birthday party when no one showed oh, up, so thank you for that. Thanks for bringing that up again. Crisis averted. Yes, thank you. Uh, we have a lot to get to today, so the show is packed. We have some special guests that are going to be coming in that we're going to be listening to, uh, talking about not only the U.S. Open of Surfing, which is right across the street today in the uh, Pacific Ocean, but uh, Dean Sharp, the house whisperer, is going to be here, and we're going to talk with Dean about some cool stuff. Uh, Mo Kelly is going to come in. Uh, in the 1 o'clock hour, so there's plenty of stuff to... to we still have stuff to hand out, too, Well, we? we do, and we have people that are out of jobs as the Me Too movement continues to make its way, oh. cutting through Hollywood, this time at CBS. And did you see what Kimberly Guilfoyle was showing some coworkers? It wasn't hers. It wasn't I'll just know that, I know that. It wasn't hers, but it was a picture of something that she doesn't have that didn't belong to her that she was showing to other people. And I would make a bet that this happens in workplaces across the, the world. You have never... You have never if shown I me a D-pick of somebody. If I was in the dating game and guys were sending me pictures of their genitals, I would show you every picture I got. I'd say, what the hell was he Great. thinking? <laughs> and I'd put it right here, first thing. Uh, the economy, big news on the economy today, 4.1% growth in the second quarter. That's the best that it's been in four years, so that's a significant day. It looks like a fire exploded in Northern California in Redding, and we are going to get to Jennifer Jones-Lee because that is where she is from. She's got friends and family affected by this thing that just exploded over overnight people having to leave homes at two three in the morning but we wanted to start uh, uh locally with with the with the fire near Idlewild. this one is uh i think the most unfortunate thing that i saw this morning was that the containment numbers are down now the containment if you're if watching a wildfire like this burn through the wildlands containment is just basically how much controlled area the uh, how much controlled line they have cut around a specific fire which is bulldozers or hand crews or however they're doing it, it's super hard work. And when the containment lines go down, the percentages go down, it's usually because this thing has either jumped some of those lines or has expanded so quickly that the percentage is going to go down. Neither one of those is good news. Neither it one of them. It is never good news when the containment number goes down because, again, it's a conservative estimate, even if it's only by 2%. Because yesterday we were at 5% containment. Today we're down... At three, the last time uh, they went ahead and had a, a news alert from the command post. 
usually that means that they were maybe at a 10% or maybe even 15% containment yesterday and things got so bad, things changed so much, maybe changes direction, maybe there's a change in wind, humidity, all of that to where they have to backtrack that containment number. Plus, I think there's a there's sort of a misconception. I mean, we get to hang out at the beach. There's a nice marine layer here. It's, what, 70 degrees outside because it always is. In Idlewild, uh, in Hemet yesterday, it was over 100 degrees, well over 100 degrees. And then up in the mountains, yes, it is a bit cooler, but still, fighting a fire in the mountains, 90-plus degree weather, with the wind picking up like that is incredibly hard work. So this is, this is going to get, unfortunately, there's a potential for it to get worse before it gets any better up there. Uh, but the, there's about 5,000 buildings, they're saying, in that area and if you don't know where Idlewild is, if you look at a map, Hemet's on one side of the mountains and Palm Springs basically on the other side of the mountains. Idlewild, Mountain Center, all those places are up at the very top of those mountains. So it's very hard to get to in many cases. Uh, the smoke uh, and the wind can cause problems for, uh, for helicopters that are supposed to be up in the area Adding and dropping water. insult to injury is that this was not nature. This was caused by a sick arsonist who was throwing flares into the brush and wanted to get a monster like this going, and boy, did he. He is under arrest, 32-year-old man taken into custody in connection with this. Corbin Carson has been covering uh, this fire for us from, from the scene, and do we have him here, Corbin? Oh. Sounds like what, the voice of God. How did like, he not know? yet. How does Nick know? <laughs> um, the, uh, I've seen some pictures of people who have uh, had to evacuate. And we talked with a guy yesterday, John Newman, from, uh, from the Arts Academy up there in Idlewild. And if you have been evacuated from a fast-moving fire like this, you know that there's very little time. You have no idea how much time there is. That's he probably said, a better way to put it. He said it was so quickly, the notification he got to get out, that... All he was able to grab were his two teddy bears, and I believe the names were Ink Blot and Teddy Bear. You remember or ink weird spot. things. That's Ink Spot, I think, was one okay. of them. Yeah. Uh, okay, it looks like we do have Corbin, who is uh, up in that area. Corbin, what's going on? Not a whole lot. You guys are not kidding. I was talking to a couple of music teachers that were running a uh, music camp of 500 kids of all ages, just talking about how fast that fire approached. When they first heard about this, they were sitting down, and the director comes in, hey, you guys, you know, there's a fire coming, 200 acres, don't worry, we'll probably contain it. And they said they sat down to lunch, and like 30 minutes later, the same guy come rushing in with an entirely different attitude, like, hey, we have to go now. And then all those 500 kids were just bust out of there, and, and, and they have had nothing, no teddy bears or anything or any belongings to bring with them so yeah it is just eating this fire alive in the brittle brush out here it's an arson fire it's burned 11,500 acres it was just 7,000 yesterday it grew overnight it dropped in containment it's only three percent contained now five homes have been destroyed that man that has been arrested on arson is booked on five counts of arson he's being held on one million dollars bail but anyway up here at the command center you got 1,400 people here rolling in last night and this morning at about 4 a.m. I was rolling up the mountain with them, double what we had yesterday. And then the acre, well, obviously the acreage is growing as well. But uh, it's quite a sight to see uh, crews coming in and out all night. But here's the concerns. The air quality is, the, is one of the bigger concerns because you can't really see what's going on. And that's also uh, uh, coupled with steep terrain, 
brittle brush and then these rising temperatures that we've all been dealing with with the heat wave. Now, I can start seeing the mountain here up uh, up at Lake Hemet and the lake uh, a little bit to my left. That means good news for the air uh, air support, which can start getting up and trying to get the get into the fight and get a look around. But it also means those temperatures are rising, and that means the heat below will start kicking up. I can start seeing plumes of, of smoke in maybe – Ten different areas along this mountain uh, structure here southeast of Idlewild. That certainly means little bitty fires or big fires have started kicking off already. Was there a change in direction yesterday, or did they talk about the, the uh, downshift when it came to containment and what contributed to that? Yeah, overnight downshift, the fire laid low, and, and as you know, the, uh, the fire crews always use that time to prepare for the onslaught of the next day. They're cutting line, they're sending boulders, bulldozers out, and they're certainly uh, preparing on the ground fighting it. But the change yesterday, it went from, uh, it was going southeast, which is where they were initially fighting it the first day, to keep it out of progression into Idlewild, where those 600 homes were originally uh, being threatened. But then they got it, once they got it heading southeast then it was switching north depending on where the uh there's like a little fingers of the fire that would go depending on elevation it would sneak around to different areas and that's why we kept hearing different evacuation orders for those areas today the focus is on shoring up the uh the south and the east lines that's where they're really sending it out this large contingent of people this uh, this uh, if you will, of everyone that just got their uh, their marching orders a couple of hours ago, and they're heading for that thing. You mentioned, uh, I heard you talk with Wayne this morning. You said you were staying the night in uh, Palm Desert down the hill. It, did you run into a lot of people who had been evacuated? Uh, not so many evacuees as I saw firefighters. There, uh, you, we, you know, again, the air quality extends down there. You can smell the smoke. But, yeah, the, the, the real interesting part is, it, uh, other than the evacuees, which I'm sure were sprinkled down in that area, too, because last night when I was trying to find a hotel, you couldn't find anything uh, in Hemet or in Banning or in Beaumont, anywhere in any direction. And that's why I had to go the other way to Palm Desert. But then the hotel I was staying at was uh, all firefighters. And then once you get here, what's interesting, Anaheim, Laguna Beach, Fountain Valley. I've seen Santa Clara, Pasadena, Glendale. And then as far as way as Santa Fe, New Mexico, Arizona, it's really just a collection of, of of firefighters coming in is it uh is it the the protocol that they're taking guys off the lines quicker than they would because of the poor air quality and, and the huge heat excessive warning that's in in effect I don't know if it's necessarily protocol, but I have talked about the safety concerns about taking people off the lines because of that steep terrain and the air quality, just because you can't, A, you can't see down there. Uh, now, hold on. I'm just now beginning to see some um, some of the uh, uh, helicopters making their first way up to start doing some airdrops now, and, and the fixed wings going on overhead. So that's good news. That's the Again, best sight. Pl- oh, my gosh. I just got chills. Right. I get chills every time I see the support from the air. No matter if I'm not in the fire area, it's just the best feeling yeah. for homeowners who are out there on their folding chairs waiting to hear what's happened to their neighborhoods. To see that support from the air is just that's the best sight you can see. And that's the good news because now they can see.
can see question. The danger for firefighters is is not being able to see, as, as you mentioned, as, as the steep terrain and then not in the direction the fire is going. So you've got some guys that have hiked in, because you can only fight this three ways. The air we just mentioned, all these engines and tankers, hundreds that have gone out and moved to different positions, and then hiking in. And if you don't, and, and the, always the danger is, if you can't see them and they can't see, the fire could shift and all of a sudden they're trapped. Fascinating. All right. Great Corbin. job, Cor- uh, Corbin. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Corbin Carson there is uh, up covering the Cranston Fire Forest. Now, the, the thing is, the numbers just basically at 11,500 acres and only 3% containment like we were talking about. This has been, uh, for the most part, uh, a, a relatively calm uh, wind condition fire that they've been dealing with, but they're still concerned that as the, uh, the temperature shift, et cetera, and as we get out of this extreme uh, excessive heat warning, which was extended till tonight, that maybe these winds will shift. And if, even if it does cool down into the 80s and the winds pick up, that's even worse. A brief update on the fire burning near Yosemite before we get to the one in, in the Redding area. They're saying that the years of drought and bark beetle infestation have just created a ridiculous amount of fuel for this beast. Uh, millions of lifeless trunks that are just been languishing across the state. The greatest concentration of them are in the southern Sierra, where this thing is burning its way through. Thousands of firefighters up there still doing battle. Uh, steep terrain again, 90-degree temperatures, that tinder-dry brush, and those easily ignitable dead trees. The fire right now is threatening several rural communities near Mariposa, and it looks like Yosemite is still going to be shut down for the foreseeable future. You know, we've said, we say this all the time, I think when there's a big fire like this, there's a chance that that fire is going to create its own weather. One of the positives about what's happening near Yosemite is that the the smoke cloud itself is actually uh, covering up or shading the fire from from the hotter sun. So it's creating sort of a, a condition where it's cooler on the ground than it would be otherwise because of the amount of smoke in the air. That still means, I mean, Highway 140 into Yosemite is still shut down. There's at, uh, they're at 45,900 acres and change and only 29% containment near Yosemite. And the, the pictures that I've seen, if you go on Twitter, Instagram, whatever, and you see the pictures of the smoke plume in Yosemite, it, all, it looks like a nuclear explosion. I mean, because of how how huge it is, and then the, the backdrop of what we, you know, some of the most beautiful real estate in the country in, in Yosemite National Park. It's, it's crazy. It began two weeks ago, and uh, we are at 27% containment on that beast. No homes have burned, but we did lose a firefighter. Of course, heavy equipment operator Brandon Varney died while on duty. Seven other firefighters have been hurt. More than 5,000 structures remain threatened in the areas. All right, uh, let's shift. One more fire to get to. In fact, this one is uh, kind of hitting close to home as well. This is the car fire, and it's burning. I know close to home sounds ridiculous because it's up in sort of the Shasta County, Reading area, but uh, Jennifer Jones-Lee, news anchor on the Bill Handel Show right here on KFI. And host of Wake Up Call. From the area, knows a bunch of people who have been evacuated. Jonesy, what's going on? Oh, there, there we yet? go. No, there it is. Get... It's there crazy it is. Hey. this morning. Uh, <laughs> Turn I... the mic on. There you go. Thanks. I, I'm new to this whole thing. So, uh, <laughs> no, it's wild. I mean, I've had family evacuated, uh, friends' houses. I just keep, I'm actually hesitating to check on Facebook anymore because person after person that I know who I was a cheerleader with, whose wedding I sang in, who uh, we used to go camping together, homes burned one after another after another. And I keep seeing dozens of homes 
But I'm adding up on Facebook just the number of people that I know, and I'm thinking this has got to be way more than just dozens at this point. We heard in October of last year what happened in Santa Rosa, I think it was the Tubbs fire, how people were told in the middle of the night or not told in some situations to get out in the dead of night. And it seems like that's what happened in Redding overnight. Yeah, there are a couple of things. I just saw actually an interview with a, uh, I think it was a public information officer from Alameda who was responding, talking to lo- one of the local newspaper stations there. And he said that there's a chance that there were some microbursts overnight so possibly I'm thinking, you know, lightning or something. And that's what caused the swiftness of this fire. And also it was super windy up there last night. Looks like the winds have died down as of today. So they're trying to see if they can get any more containment on this. But the containment, kind of like the Idle wildfire, the acreage continues to grow and the containment has actually decreased from the last time we checked. Yeah, it's at 3% right now. 44,450 acres have burned up in that Shasta Redding area. You um you know people who have lost homes in this. Absolutely. Yeah, like good friends. People who uh our families still get together to this day. In fact, one of the very first people that I saw, his family, his his mom is one of the first like um, people, I think, who babysat me as a kid, their home is gone. Um, like I said, somebody whose wedding I sang in, their home is gone. I'm watching videos of their neighbors next door. Their house is fine. Then my friend Stephanie and Matt, their house, gone. All that's there is the chimney. And what's eerie is the basketball hoop. Those are the two things that remain. Always wow. eerie what's left behind. <laughs> and, and also the, the way that fire can hopscotch through neighborhoods like that. One home not even touched and a home right next to it completely gone. It was such a quick turnaround, too, from 15 homes lost to then in the morning update, suddenly 65. You know, that's 50 more families learning. They've got nothing to go back to. Yeah. And so, jo- oh, I was just going to say, I think one of, the, one of the worst things that I heard was yesterday when this whole thing bur- uh, it broke. They said that my old high school, Shasta High School, was the evacuation center. So everybody from uh, Shasta's, um, old Shasta and Keswick, they were all going there. And that seemed, I don't know, for some reason that was comforting, thinking, oh, they're going to the high school. Like, that, that's the safe place. Then as of this morning, the high school is being evacuated. And that, I, that to me says something about how quickly and how in the main area of Reading this fire is burning. Yeah, that's the crazy part. The TV station, KRCR, they were on the air last night and made the announcement that they were going to go off the air, at least the people on the set, because they had to be evacuated. Now, I don't know. You, I know you both have been to Reading before. You know where the Sundial Bridge is? It's sure. kind of the yeah. main thing there. That's where KRCR is, kind of right at the base of the Sundial Bridge. And so I looked this morning. The Sundial Bridge is closed because of heavy ash. The bridge itself is made of glass, so people can't cross it right now because of how slick it is. And they did. They had to evacuate everybody from that area. But that kind of center is almost the heart of the place. That's where the Civic Auditorium is. That's where the rodeo grounds are. That's where I sang the national anthem on a horse one year for the rodeo. I mean, these things are so personal. But I think it highlights... um, even like in Idlewild, these are tiny, small communities where everybody knows everybody. You can't escape this not impacting you if you grow up in a small town and a fire comes in and it eats up the place. I mean, I, I look at it. There are people from when I was a child to now 
that are being impacted by this. My grandmother, her house is without power. She's on a breathing machine. She's had to evacuate. My cousin Kathy, whose house has been there since the 20s, been in our family since the 20s, she's had to evacuate this morning. My parents texted me this morning, said their old house that they just moved from from about three years ago is in one of the areas that was heavily burned. They're just waiting to hear if it went down. It's just amazing how close to home these hit. And, you know, that small town vibe that you get, it's it's hard to explain it unless you've grown up in a small town. And actually, I know both of you have. You just know everybody knows everybody. And it just it just gets your gut. And it's it's weird to be this far away from it and feel so helpless. But there's I know there's nothing you can do. And I know I got plenty of family up there, but it just still it breaks my heart to watch video after video. Yeah. Where's grandma going? Uh, she's actually with my uncle right now. So she's she's good to go. Uh, they don't know if her house has power yet or not. Uh, but it's it's a and I have other aunts and uncles who are kind of in the line of fire that are just waiting for the call. But I've looked um, there are pictures of downtown Reading where people are blowing through the red lights just to get out of town. Everybody was so scared last night. But there's a wall of fire on the left of them and then the like street light on the right. Just crazy. Well, there was um, a bunch of different social media accounts from law enforcement, uh, fire departments in the area. They were also they were all saying they are not doing structure uh, protection. They are not doing containment efforts in that area of North Reading. All they're doing is getting people out of there. They, yeah. Like they'd given up on the actual firefight and were just clearing people out of those neighborhoods. I don't doubt it. And what's interesting about the area where this is burning, I mentioned Old Shasta and Keswick. Those two areas are very remote, but the families who have been there have been there for years, and they don't have a lot. These aren't areas that are affluent, but what's happened is it looks like the fire has sort of eaten through those communities, and now it's come into a part of Reading that sort of is affluent, or it's a newer part of Reading, let's put it that way. And it's just amazing to see, though, that it doesn't matter if you were the people who had nothing or you were the people in town who had everything. You all now are the exact same person. And there is something sort of beautiful about that on Facebook. You're seeing people reaching out to other people. I'm seeing friends who never talked to each other before talking to each other yeah. now because all of a sudden you're all the same. Jennifer Jones-Lee, thank you so much. Sorry you're dealing with this. Uh, let us know if you need anything. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. One of the things that uh, I've been seeing in these uh, social media accounts from people in the area and the pictures that they're posting is that they go back to their neighborhood after having been evacuated, and it's unrecognizable. And it reminds me of what you were talking about, that fire up in the Santa Rosa area from October where it, it took an hour for someone to leave their house to, for the evacuation order to be lifted and go back in, and it's, everything is gone. I mean, yeah. entire blocks of homes that were just completely wiped out, and it looks like that's what we're going to see in Reading now, too. All right, come join us. We're already having a party All right, here. let's have fun today for the rest HQ of the day, all right? None of this. Gastro no more. Pub. Isn't it cool Ooh. how if you tweet at HQ Gastropub, yep. they put your tweet up on these big screens? Yeah. Your pictures, all your chicanery, all the fun we're going to have today? I love that word. Uh, we're also right across the street from the Pacific Ocean. So there's that too. If you know, there's if, that too. If it's 105 where you are this afternoon, it might be better for you to be here. Beer, burgers, Bloody Marys, the ocean. What more do you need? Uh, how about this? Uh, when we come back, we're going to tell you another great story from today, and this is uh, sort of closing a chapter. I, I love this story. I love the fact that this is happening. We're finally getting back the remains of uh, dozens of. 
guys who lost their lives in the Korean War. Thousands, it's though, remain. Way too long, yeah. and, and this is a great, it should be a great feel-good story. We still have a bunch of guests that are coming up. Steve Van Dorn from Vans is coming up. Uh, we have Jennifer Lau, Vice President of AMG, uh, IMG's Action and Lifestyle Sports Division, to talk about the U.S. Open of Surfing, which is going on across the street. Uh, all of this is going to, we're going to have a great time. Great time. Join Drink us. up. Eat up. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Gary and Shannon, our flashback Friday here, by the way, 1959, the year that there was major competitive surfing here at Huntington Beach, because this kicks off a big weekend of the Vans U.S. Open of Surfing. Today through August 5th. Yeah, we're live today at HQ Gastropub, uh, right there, 5th and PCH in Huntington Beach, right along the highway and right across from the beach. Give yourselves a round of applause, you guys. You're here at 10 o'clock. Thank you for coming in. We appreciate it. Um, we... The, now yep. there's whistles? No, there's whistles. No, I didn't know that. Oh, that, seems, that was a natural whistle. That seems unsafe. Yeah. No, that's great. Traffic's going to stop on PCH. We're keeping our eye on the big stories of the the day, of course, that fire in Shasta County that we were just talking with Jennifer Jones-Lee about that ate up 65 homes overnight. Also, still a huge battle for firefighters near Idlewild. We'll keep an eye on that one. And Les Moonviz seems to be the latest. The head of uh, CBS, who is going to be hit with sexual misconduct allegations, apparently some unwanted kissing and touching. Yeah, this is the latest uh, Ronan Farrow piece that's going to be in The New Yorker. It hasn't hit their website yet, and in fact, uh, The New Yorker won't release any details saying that they don't talk about stories that haven't been posted yet, but... CBS is already out with a statement that says that they are investigating Les Moonves, that it is at least under investigation at this point. Uh, the other big one from today, from early this morning, was the report that uh, the economy was just absolutely on fire in the second quarter, 4.1% growth, which some people have said uh, is probably unsustainable, but man, it sure feels good. Sounds nice. We'll take it for today. Uh, uh, yeah. uh, we going to do that all day? Yeah, probably. Okay. U.S. Air Force plane carrying what are thought to be the remains of 55 Americans killed during the Korean War have arrived in South Korea this morning. This is on the 65th anniversary of the armistice that uh, ended the fighting. There was a, a statement from the U.S. North, the U.S. Forces Korea Commander General Vincent Brooks, a statement from the U.N. Command, and he said the retrieval mission was successful. Now we will prepare to honor our fallen before they continue on their journey home. This is just, it's 55, literally it's 55 boxes of remains uh, from, from these guys from the Korean War. There is a, about 7,700 American soldiers that are still listed as missing from the Korean War. Uh, and 5,300 of those are believed to be somewhere in North Korea. And it's, I don't think it's likely that the North Korean government is holding 5,300 boxes of remains. I think that they didn't care in right. 1951, 52, 53. So right. there, some of these guys are never going to be found. Was this something that was in the conversation between the president and Kim Jong-un? 100%. Because the president said today, I want to thank Chairman Kim for, think, for keeping his word. That this was something important to us that we wanted. If we're going to sit down and take a meeting with Kim Jong-un... We're going to get our guys home from it. And I think it, 
for for North Korea, I think it's the easiest thing for them to do because it's not like they're destroying, dismantling with their nuclear capabilities. They're not doing any. This is a this is a move of good faith on their part. It's easy for them to do. What bothers me is that these fifty five cases have literally been sitting in a warehouse for for sixty five years. I mean that that's where they've been. They didn't care enough about them to return them to us. Uh, they didn't have the political will to do so. They didn't feel like it was important. This is a very important thing. Now, the honors ceremony uh, that we were expecting, the, the remains are going to be flown to Hawaii for scientific testing. They're going to make sure that the remains are human, that, that no one's pulling a fast one on us. And if, in fact, they were Americans or if they happen to be other allied troops that were with us in Korea at the time. But this is a, um, I think this is a big deal. The North Korean government, by the way, zero statements about this. They didn't come out with any official re- uh, response to this. They, I think, realized that this was uh, something that they should have done 65 years ago and never did. And uh, I don't, I, I don't want to hear what they have to say about it I, I, because there's nothing that they could say that would make anybody feel better about them holding on for 65 years. Okay, are you ready to have some fun? Please, yes. Let's have some fun. We've right. got a huge fun hour coming up next. We've got um, unwanted kissing and touching. We've got uh, genitalia <laughs> pictures. Hold on. We've got what? Stories about unwanted kissing right. and touching. I don't think it's right, like right, right, people right. are going to start walking around and just start grabbing each other. That's what happens the last oh. time you were here in Huntington Beach. That's Okay. Yeah. I will admit I leaned into it. A you did. Bit. Yeah. It was was worth it. <laughs> Everybody likes a little touching. I'm wanted every once in a while. Anything to get on base. Um, also, Dean Sharp will be joining us the next hour too. He's said to bring in some toys. Last time he joined us uh, when we were at a news and brews, we had fire. I don't know if he's bringing in fire today. I should probably shouldn't have said that before we cleared it with the HQ gastro. Yeah, people, smart. Huh? Yeah, somebody's ears just perked up. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're glad that you're here. Welcome to HQ Gastro Pub in Huntington Beach. There's still plenty of room. We'll be talking surfing when we come back with the head of Vans. How cool is that? Gary and Shannon. We'll be right back. All his hard-earned cash, and now Maggie spins just like a sailor. Could it be? Live today, HQ Gastro Pub. We are right at 5th and PCH in Huntington Beach. Super easy to get to. We're right across the street from the ocean. Uh, All the tents are already set up for the U.S. Open of surfing that's going to kick off tomorrow. A bunch of people in town. A bunch of out-of-towners in town, by the way. And I know this because uh, how far out of town are you? Did you say Canada? Yes. Okay. I well, think co- I well welcome Canada. to the United States. <laughs> uh, I mean, out of towners like like from Nebraska and stuff like that. Nebraska. And, well, the reason I know that is because when we checked into the hotel last night, the guy kept telling us how California the hotel is, and you know it's all responsibly sourced cucumbers in the water, and and it's a pet friendly hotel, and. I said, listen, li- I'm from, you don't have to sell this. We don't have to put on the California show. No, no, show. I get it. I get it. Yeah. It's a beach town. I get it. Don't you got to tell them what they said about the duck. Oh, yeah. So it's a pet-friendly hotel. So he says to me, you know, you could, you could bring your dog or your cat or your bird or your turtles. And he said, last week, we had a duck in a diaper here. 
I'm out. I'm out at that moment. If your pet needs a diaper, it should not be a therapy animal. But we'll get to the birthday cake here in a second. We're staying on top of the big stories of the day. Of course, our fire roundup. We've got fires here locally in Idlewild to take care of. It's a huge battle still up there with the containment going down overnight from 5% to 3%. Also, Shasta County, that fire burning through homes near Redding, 65 homes lost. And, of course, that beast that is in uh, Yosemite. Also, we will get to Kimberly Guilfoyle and what she's accused of doing, her wrongdoings at Fox News, as well as Les Moonves, his wrongdoings at CBS. You can't do anything at work anymore. It's all shoot, <laughs> heck, or darn. But we are in Huntington Beach, and that means we've got to talk about Vans. Uh, Steve Van Doren is joining us on the phone right now. Steve is the vice president of Vans, uh, the son of the founder, and probably one of the most fun guys you'll ever meet if you ever get a chance to meet him. Steve? Good morning. Uh, How are you big doing, w- we're great. We're, we're too, it's too bad that we can't see you face-to-face. We know you're somewhere in Orange County. Yep, right here on the beach in Huntington Beach. Uh, it's the last day of setup. Uh, they've been out here working for about two weeks, uh, getting uh, the IMC crew, Debbie uh, Sullivan, Vans crew, been setting everything up, getting ready for everybody to come down tomorrow. Um, and the sun's out today. Yesterday was kind of a little bit more overcast, but uh, sorry to hear about all the fires out there everywhere and stuff, and hopefully those can get contained and then people can get away and come down and jump in the water and cool off a little bit from all the hec- hectic that's going on there. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a great week. Uh, the Vans U.S. Open of surfing uh, entitles, of course, great surfing. This year we're actually going to have a Joe Tudor duct tape for the girls longboard riding this year for the first time for girls coming in from all over the world to do that besides the regular great surfing events for both amateurs as well as pro girls and pro uh, men. But we built a quarter-million-dollar skate uh, park called the Vans Park Series that's going to be going out here, too. Um, and that starts our practice tomorrow, going all week long, and the finals will be a week from Saturday. Um, BMX Pro, again, the guys on the bicycles. And in the skateboarding world, it's both girls and guys that will be competing, both uh, uh, championships, both pro girls and pro uh, guys out here. But it's going to be an awesome week. Everything's free. That's the nice thing about Huntington Beach with the uh, Vans U.S. Open of surfing. Everything's free. Come down here. Um, I was just loading in a whole bunch of food because I get to cook uh, barbecue uh, sliders and hot dogs every day from two to from twelve to two, and those are free, of course, out here too. So lots of lots of great things happening out here. The nicest awesome. thing is is that we've got this new custom shop that's built right by this big blue floor that you see when you come out here. Our motorhomes there, and that's where my daughter Christy, who's running the event for us out here, is uh, doing it. But we got this new custom shop built next to the giant van store on the sand where. People can go in, get a white shirt, and then they can come out to the custom shop and get one of, let's say, 32 different designs printed on it, whatever they choose. And then they're going to get a hat printed uh, uh, free form right there in the custom shop. But there's lots of teachers and people that we hire out here in the summertime to work with the kids. So there's a music area this year. There's all kinds of button making this year. There's all kinds of they take their shirts, uh, bring it over there, and they teach them how to cut them where they might make, you know, the bottoms all like dolly and that. They can cut the sleeves off. They can put V-necks in it and put all kinds of bedazzled stuff on it. So lots of different things for all different ages happening. Well, Steve, Very thank cool. you so much. I mean, uh, some things never change, and, and Vans is one of those great Orange County Vans that now the world enjoys and still a great quality product. And you know what I love about Vans is you can all ages wear them. I mean, I bought a pair for my, uh, for my 72-year-old uh, dad. And, yeah. uh, kids, you know, it's just, it's just a product that everybody enjoys. Well, thank you very, very much. I, uh, you know, I've been doing this for 52 years since I was 10 years old. And my father 
turned uh, 88. My mother's 88. They're both in great health. Uh, but the nice thing is, is that you're right. It's, it's amazing today for me to look and see grandfathers that had sons or daughters that now have grandkids, and they're all wearing our products. So we're just really super proud of uh, all of our designers and all the people that work in all of our great stores everywhere. And, you know, right here on the corners, we have HSS, and we have um, uh, Jack Surf Shop that are great accounts, and they have all the Vans uh, U.S. Open merchandise up there. Besides, down on the beach, of course, we have our big store, amazing different things you've never seen before. So it's free. Stop down, say hello to everybody. Stop by the uh, Vans Mode Home. So I had a Christy Van Dorn, myself, and all of our staff were really just excited uh, to get this kicked off. Uh, we've been doing this the last six years. Well, you have a blast this week uh, when you uh, when you get out there. I know that this is considered work for a lot of people, but for you, you still have a lot of fun doing no, it. So have fun. I do. I do. I appreciate it. just came off the Vans Warp Tour from the East Coast, and uh, to be right here in the sand is just going to be amazing for the next uh, nine days. Thank awesome. you, Steve. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. Thanks. Steve Van Doren there, Vice President of Vans. And again, uh, we were just out there last night. That, that van store that he was talking about that they set up on the beach over there, is the size of a Costco, yeah. and it's a, it's huge. It's gigantic, so go check it out. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more uh, later about the, the Vans U.S. Surf Open, some of the stuff. We'll do that in the 1 o'clock hour. We're live today, HQ Gastropub in Huntington Beach, having an absolute blast on the beach here. Come on out, uh, say hi, grab a beer, um, and eat. Anyone uh, grab your bottom yet? The day is young. The day is very young. We'll come back, and we're going to talk uh, about what's going on with Kimberly Guilfoyle next on The Gary and Shannon Show. We were just a plain old hillbilly band with a plain old country style. We never Gary and Shannon live today. Out and about. We are at HQ Gastropub in Huntington Beach, 5th and PCH. Super easy to find and absolutely beautiful out here today. Starting to lighten up like the uh, the clouds are starting to break through. We'll see some sunshine a little bit later. We have a bunch that we're going to get to today, uh, including the stories of the fires. We'll go back and actually check back in uh, with a couple of people who are reporting on the fires. But the three big ones here in California, the Cranston fires, the one burning up in the San Bernardino National Forest. Yeah, in fact, the guy that is accused of setting that and eight more fires is due in court this afternoon. He faces a potential life sentence. Amen to that. Get him. All right, 11,500 acres, uh, 3% containment on that one. The Ferguson fire moving up the state in, is the one near Yosemite. That's at forty, almost 46,000 acres. And then the one that was the most active overnight and causing the most problems was the car fire up in Shasta County, up in the Redding area. And it burned several dozen homes overnight, 44,000 acres, only 3% containment. And it is, it, that's going to be the massive, massive fight today on that fire front. A different scene than in 1982 in Petaluma. Okay, now... In January of 1982, <laughs> if you lived in Northern California, you know about the Great Floods. And the great floods. I don't know. I'm embellishing. Yes. And it was during that time that you were to celebrate your ninth birthday. The flooding was on January 4th. My birthday is January 5th. Right. So we were out of our house. We spent the night at the elementary school down the street. And the next... Are you crying? A little bit. The next, uh, the next day, uh, obviously schools were shut down because the streets were still flooded. And uh, we couldn't get back 
into the house. I mean, there was mud and water in our house. So, Not only did you have no home on your birthday. Okay, I had a you, home. You, it was just wet. You slept it, in a cot. I did. Yeah. At the elementary school, and, which nobody should have to go through that nightmare. And no party the next day. Well, but today uh, we're so, celebrating. Well, the, but the story is that when a friend of the family came over, the husband and wife had invited us to stay at their house that night. Uh, yes, the strange man made you a it's cake. It's not a strange man. It's not, not as strange as some of the people that are here today. But, I mean, he, was a, he wasn't my friend. No. Uh, it was like mom and dad's friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he knew that I wasn't going to have a party because of everybody's houses were flooded. So he made me a birthday cake. The first cake and, as far as I understand, the last cake he ever made. First and last cake. It was a little lopsided. It was it was actually blue. So Blake's dad made a cake for me today, and brought it <laughs> with right. You made it uh, and put a nine uh, birthday candle on the top of it with that blue is frosting. So sweet and a card Aww. and a card for the for the ninth birthday that I never really had. And it's not from a strange man. It's from Blake's dad. This is how you're supposed to accept birthday cakes. Uh, jury's still out on that strange dad or not. <laughs> Uh, so it says happy birthday. Oh, well, everybody signed, signed it. it. Oh, you guys. Oh. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Kim- so I have cake if anybody wants to eat some cake. Kimberly Guilfoyle of Fox News, formerly, she was Gavin Newsom's ex-wife uh, many moons ago. And then successful career. She was a prosecutor, I believe, then got married to Gavin Newsom, then went on to the television career. Beautiful woman. And uh, she now dates Donald Trump Jr. Well. Apparently, before she left Fox News, she was at the center of a human resources investigation. Now, I'm going to defend her, just so you know. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, let just me explain. So that's Bef- out there. You, you get your defense pants ready. I'm going to explain what she was accused of doing, that she was uh, going after and attacking other hosts on Fox News, like Janine Pirro saying that she's too old for television. That conversation probably goes on in television new- newsrooms everywhere. I mean, th- these people are very cutthroat. They're all racing to get the best jobs, the most airtime. Sure. And catty comments fly. Uh, she went after Megyn Kelly, who has, of course, since departed Fox News, and there was a big controversy over when Megyn Kelly left. When you say attack, she wasn't physically attacking people. No. She was just being catty. Yes. Okay. Um, she made company employees cater to her makeup and hair needs before she would go to outside parties. That's, she would done, bring, that's <laughs> done sometimes, I think, with TV well, people. They, right. they have their, the makeup people or the hair people get them ready for other stuff that they're you supposed to be doing. You are wearing some sizable defense you pants today. You told me to put on my pants. Uh, and then she would share. Here's the key. Here's the key. She would share personal photos of male genitalia with her coworkers. All right. I'm pulling the car over. If you're in the dating world and guys send you these pictures, aren't you going to be like, you know, say a picture just comes in, what the hell are you doing, right? And then what do you do? You run and you tell your friends. This is what happens. It's like back in the day when you were single in the 80s mm-hmm. and you would go out on a date with a girl and she'd do something ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you go and tell your friends about it? Mm-hmm. Well, these days, the kids, they send these pictures to each other mm-hmm. or text message each other. That's what the kids do these days? And then they show their friends, can you believe he, did, he sent me this or she sent me this? What are you looking at? What is that? <laughs> <laughs> go back. What is that? That's my D-pick. Where'd you go? What happened? That's uh, Did you make that yourself? I don't even remember where that is, but it's a, it's a sausage with two cucumbers next to it. 
two sliced cucumbers. You're not going to show everybody? So I don't think that that's out of the, the, the realm of possibility, that that's going on at several oh, workplaces okay. in America. But, well, if guys think it's cute enough to send pictures of their genitals, girls are going to think it's ridiculous nine times out of ten, and they're going to show their friends. I'll give you that. But she was also telling everyone whose it was. Again, that she, would probably happen. Hold on a second. You go on a date, and you're like, that's Trevor from last night. Probably. Really? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you... Women just... share everything. Is that true? Yeah. <laughs> She's in the corner. She's like, oh, yeah, I've seen Trevor's. By a round of applause, ladies, if a guy sent you pictures of his genitalia, would you share it? Wow. <laughs> so don't do I... it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's going to be an issue. Um, she, was, she was also talking about... She would share stories, sexual stories from her personal life with her assistant... To the point where the assistant was desperate to stop working with her, was begging to be transferred from within the company. We all know somebody in the field okay. who is high maintenance to producers. I'm not going to name names, okay. but we've all heard stories about somebody who takes advantage of producers or assistants, people that are there to help you, okay. and they go too far. Yes. I don't think that that would make you the center of an HR investigation. Well, this woman did eventually transfer. Uh, She was actually put on paid leave because she had hired an attorney to go against the company. And if you do that, chances are the company's not going to want you to be around for very long. So uh, it's reported that the decision to terminate Kimberly Guilfoyle originally was made before she started dating Don Jr. But the politics of it and the weird case of her being... Found, uh, found out is probably not the right word, but the, the relationship was unveiled, perhaps. And then the timing that she left Fox News seemed a little bit suspicious. Now they're suggesting that the HR issue came up long before she was dating Don Jr. You know, uh, this article in the Daily Mail makes, uh, makes mention of her landing in the role of first lady, potentially, since she's now dating Donald Trump Jr., And then it goes on to say a position she's had some experience in after her first husband, Gavin Newsom, served as mayor of San Francisco. Right. I never realized the political relationship bouncing around that she was doing. And she she was all up in Gavin Newsom's business. She was she was. Well, they were married. Well, I mean, but she was also a very politically active. She was person when she was married to him. Right. How did she change politics like that? Because I mean, it's never about parties. the politics. It's all about the show. It's all about the dog and pony show. Um, she's, you know, look at the Instagram pictures. She looks like a Barbie doll she's so made up. I mean, everything is kind of phony on, on She on has her. a really wide mouth. I don't know what's it? going on in there. She's like, goes, I don't know it what goes happened. from ear to ear. She's got a joker grin. She did an interview with Breitbart Radio where she uh, believes John Jr. has a future in politics and that she's so happy to, quote, Finally get it right this time with her new boyfriend. (laughs) Okay. Hey, when we come back, we're going to talk more about the latest uh, allegations, the latest hashtag MeToo person in this case, Les Moonves, the head of CBS. Oh, Les. New Yorker magazine is coming out with a big piece. It's supposed to hit sometime today. Uh, Ronan Farrow, the guy who wrote the first Harvey Weinstein stuff. Frank Sinatra's son. uh, Allegedly. Ronan Farrow is apparently out with a new one, and this is all about Les Moonves. So we'll talk about that. Also, today is Free Movie Friday with Adam Tickets, uh, giving you a chance to win some free movie tickets. All you got to do is text the word reporter 
to Atom1, A-T-O-M-1, for your chance to win. It's the Atom Tickets app where you can browse movie titles, buy tickets, invite friends, pre-order concessions, all from the phone and skip the lines. Of course, standard data text message rates may apply. Come join us, HQ's Gastropub, 5th and PCH in Huntington Beach for our news and brews. It's a fun crowd. That's it's- when you applaud. Everybody's happy. Here you go. What are you, Jeb Bush? <laughs> well, please, please clap. clap. Okay, five, six, four. Gary Shannon, live today, our latest news and brews. We're at HQ Gastro Pub in Huntington Beach, 5th and PCH. We're going to be out here until 2 o'clock. Come on out and say hi. We'd love to see you out here. Uh, stay out of the heat. One way to do it is to come on down to the beach. Uh, a couple of things that we're keeping our eyes on, of course, the fires that are burning throughout California, not just Southern California with the Cranston fire, the one up near Idlewild. That's at 11,500 acres. The bad news is they... Uh, they turned down the containment. They downgraded down to 3%, which is not good. Uh, the Ferguson fire near Yosemite is close to 46,000 acres, if you can believe that already. There was a firefighter who was killed a couple of weeks ago on that one. And then the Car Fire is the one that's burning up near Shasta, uh, the Redding area. That's reached 44,000 acres, and there was, a fire, there was actually a volunteer who died overnight on a bulldozer trying to cut fire lines last night. It's a terrible name for a fire, the car fire, because every time you say it, it sounds like it's just a car fire. Well, there's two R's, so maybe right. I should say car fire. It's not just you. It's every newscaster that's going to have to say no, car I see, fire. No, you were just trying to tell me it's just me. Uh, no, no, okay. it wasn't a knock on you. Um, the New Yorker is about to publish a big investigation of CBS and its CEO, Les Moonves. I always thought it was Moonves. Moonves. Um, news of this impending article and investigation has sent the company's stock down more than 6% at Oops. midday today. Yeah. We, we don't know any, any of the details of this yet. Well, um, we know uh, some vague details. Unwanted touching and unwanted kissing. How much of that has already gone on here today? By the Some laughter, of it, right? I'd say a little bit. Okay, yeah. well. Uh, and the day is young. The, again, the, the story itself has not hit the New Yorker uh, website yet it hasn't been published yet and new yorker the magazine has been closed-lipped about it they've been saying we're going to let ronan farrow's piece speak for itself when it hits but cbs is already out with a statement to try to beat this they don't mention les moonves by name but it does say uh, the independent directors of cbs have committed to investigating claims that violate the company's clear policies in that regard uh, again they don't mention les moonves but they do say we know, basically, we know the article is coming out, so we want to get out in front of it and make sure that we approach it before you get to see the details of they it. They say they will take the allegations seriously. Now, apparently, in TV circles, there have been rumors of an impending story about this from Ronan Farrow about Moonves for the past six months or so. And some people were turning skeptical. Oh, I, maybe it's just a rumor because nothing's materialized. Well, it is supposed to be published on the web sometime today, and the New Yorker is being so tight-lipped about this, yeah. not letting any piece of it out. The, the timing of it is also suspect because right now, uh, Les Moonves is in an absolute war with Sherry Redstone, Sumner Redstone's daughter, because they're fighting over control of CBS and Viacom. The Redstone family owns everything, and uh, Les Moonves wants to control everything. So he's actually trying to get the CBS board 
to strip the Redstone family of all of their voting power, which would, of course, give Les Moonves the deal. So you read into that, it makes it sound almost like you've got Sherry Redstone endorsing this story, pushing for the publication of this story, whatever it is, so that in this very public uh, fight that they're having about the control of the network, that he ends up getting the short end of the stick. How convenient... For, How nice. Uh, for the Redstone gang, right? That uh, And the people on the board that are in line with, with her. It's just so convenient when unwanted touching and unwanted kissing stories come out. Dirty. You wonder if uh, there are certain people in certain companies that have folders. You know, uh, little... Um, little just Binder, little, Binders full of women? Binders full of women uh, <laughs> for certain people that if they cross them in a financial way, they've got the binders ready to go. Who has the biggest binder at KFI? We cannot okay. go down that road. All right. When we come back, we are gonna, uh, we're going to have more fun at HQ Gastropub, 5th and PCH here in Huntington Beach. Our friend Dean Sharp is in the house. We're going to talk about some cool stuff with Dean in a few moments. Uh, and we've already had a couple of people who are having birthdays today, so happy birthday happy, for everybody. Yeah, happy birthday to Hannah. She's turning seven. Oh. You celebrated your ninth My birthday. My ninth birthday. So it's Finally. A banner day here. Oh, and we have, like, pictures and stickers and stuff to come on up and say hi. Yeah, we'd love to meet you. Um, Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. Gary and Shannon. Oh, look it. There's another baby in the bar. Oh, no. New baby in the bar. What have we done? Uh, nothing short of incredible. Oh, boy. All ba- right. Babies in a bar before noon. Job is done. <laughs> we are live today, HQ Gastropub in Huntington Beach, and uh, we would love it if you would come on down. Still a lot of room. The doors are open. I mean, the windows are open, so you can see out across PCH into the beach. This is uh, this is the epitome of a rough job right now. No. Is, yeah. No. This is very <laughs> difficult to do. Um, a little bit later in the show, at 1230, we're going to get into Swamp Watch. So just about an hour from now, when we do Swamp Watch, we talk... All about what's going on in Washington, D.C. There are a couple of great stories that have come out of there, including uh, the big news today. The, the economy in the second quarter grew at a rate of two, uh, sorry, 4.1%, which is an amazing, uh, amazing eco- uh, economic number to come out. We're also keeping an eye on the story. We just tried to get some more information. It hasn't dropped yet, but a story about the head of CBS, Les Moonves. Uh, New Yorker Magazine uh, and Ronan Farrow, who Shannon is convinced is Frank Sinatra's son, uh, has written another story apparently about Les Moonves detailing his uh, sexual improprieties perhaps with women. We'll also be going live to both of the fires that are causing all of the damage up there in Shasta County and Redding, eating through 65 homes overnight, people having to, to evacuate at 2.30 in the morning. And we'll be, uh, be going back to Idlewild live to see how firefighters are doing on that beast. But right now we talk to Dean Sharp, host of Home. He is the house whisperer here on KFI. How's Dean it is, going? Dean is also going to play linebacker on the KFI football team this fall. So, Am I? Yes. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to spoil the surprise. I so. hoped I was going to play tight end. <laughs> no, you're not tall enough. Why did that just send your voice? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I thought it was a joke. I thought he was going somewhere with a joke, and I didn't, I didn't get it. That's I right. just set it up for you, and no. you, know, you chose not to go there. That's fine. <laughs> uh, That's fine. What are we talking about today? We are continuing our quest to make you 
the DIY queen of Southern California. Oh, boy, that's a Sisyphusian task. Right? Yes. Last, um, last. Wow. That's also the first time anyone has said Sisyphusian on this show. Oh. She, looked okay. she was ready. She had loaded that up last Isn't night. Isn't that the perfect definition, making me the DIY person? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it makes my head hurt. I was just See, enjoying last it. Last news and brews, we handed Shannon a blowtorch and had her try and ignite a diaper on fire, yeah. right? <laughs> and then right. last week... Last week, she became the queen of Peck's piping. Yes. I, by the way, we've I turned... hate you for that. <laughs> I know. It's an ongoing thing, right? We've now? turned the Peck's pipe into a uh, drumstick. We. I mean, I have. <laughs> so <laughs> today, we want to make Shannon the master of her That's own good. closet. Okay. By the way, by the way yeah. this Sunday show is all about a guide for buying furniture, which is something that uh, a lot of... DIY folks jump right over because we've, we concentrate on what gets built into the house and then we turn around and we spend thousands of dollars on stuff filling the house. And most people have no clue how to judge whether that piece of furniture they're staring at is worth the money or not. So we're going to resolve all of those questions okay. on Sunday. But for you, for you, my dear, we're going to talk about my favorite closet organizing system. Okay. And I'm not a huge fan of, I, I'm just going to say this right now, I am not a huge fan of closet companies in general, the, the, the kinds of folks that people call and say, well, I've got to do out my closet, and so we're going to call Closet Masters, I'm making up that name, and Closet, et cetera, and whatever <laughs> those names are. And the reason I'm not is, is simply because I find it to sort of be a gray area where they're charging cabinet maker prices for what they're putting inside your closet, but those are not cabinet-grade items going in there. So my feeling is this. Either choose to have your finished carpenter build you some shelf and pole inside your closet or do it yourself, which is what we're going to talk about today, or have your cabinet maker. You want the world's fanciest closet? Have your, an actual cabinet maker build out the inside like of your Goldie closet. Like Goldie Hawn did in Overboard. There you go. Right. Okay. <laughs> but here is something that has been... I have no idea. Something that's uh, it's been around for a while now. It's getting more and more popular, but I'm, I'm still shocked at how many people don't understand this system. This is called a top rail closet hanging system. And it all has to do with the magic of this piece of metal right now. We're uh, Facebook living, by yes. the way, uh, with you guys and on uh, home uh, at home with Dean. This is a top rail closet system. This piece of channel metal, Shannon, you put Duh. all the way at the top of the wall, right up against the ceiling in your closet. Okay, the back side of your closet. Every one of these holes here, a screw goes into. All right, and you don't have to get out the stud finder, worry about finding where the wood is in the wall, because up at the top of your wall, there are two plates of wood that are continuous that run the entire width of the wall. So you just put this up there, you cut it to size so that it's the length of the wall. Every screw goes in there. By the time every screw is in uh, every one of these holes, you are literally now looking at a closet system that holds hundreds, if not thousands of pounds, Okay. This is the only thing you have to permanently install. And then, and this is a short, stubby version of it, there are these runner tracks, okay? These things clip in. Here, you can hold that. Uh, you're, you're the, the top you're of the, the wall. wall. You're the wall. These things clip in like this. Are you ready? It's tricky. Yep. All right, there it is. They <laughs> that clip was the, in. That was not magic. No. They clip in like this, and you can order these uh, or buy them off the shelf to, at any length that you want. And then into these... Uh, rails, these vertical rails, 
go all of the accessories for this closet. Now, this is a uh, closet-made setup that I just grabbed from Home Depot yesterday, uh, knowing that we were going to be on here today. Home Depot has closet-made. Lowe's has rubber-made. A lot of maids involved sure. in closets. Yes. I don't know why. Um, and the fancier version of this you can find at uh, a place like the Container Store. They carry a series called Alpha. The cool thing is all of these rails are interchangeable uh, at this current time. And so you can buy something you like from Lowe's, something you like from the Depot, something an accessory that you like at the Container Store. They all fit. But then this is like this is a shelf bracket, and then it just clips in. Okay. Quick side note: Does anybody else feel like the Container Store is like the Whole Foods of grocery stores? I mean, great stuff in there, but you're gonna pay the price. You will. You will. And that's why. But some of this, including their stuff, people who are looking for a fancier looking, better finished closet, there's no competing with the stuff at the Container Store, the Alpha series, because instead of having just kind of open wire, you can get solid shelving, you can get brushed metal, you can get wood trims around. You can make a closet like this look fantastic. But the cool thing is, what most even the fanciest permanent closet build doesn't account for is the fact that what if your needs change? What if... God forbid you buy one more pair of shoes, one pair too many, and it doesn't accommodate you know, uh, the, the shelves that you've already got. This is a system where three years from now you decide, you know what, I, uh, we want double hanging there, and we're going to move the shoes over there. You unclip, or you move this over, you move the rails uh, wider, thinner, you buy different accessories. This is a closet system that you can permanently hang in your closet but it keeps growing with you. You just keep adapting it and adapting and adapting it as you go. And uh, the rails, the guts of it, the bones of it, relatively inexpensive to do. You could do a closet out for 50 bucks if you wanted to, or you go up from there, depending on how detailed you want the finish to be. And that's upside down. Oh, my gosh. We were running so well, and then she put the bracket in yeah. upside down. I want to see the video of no, Shannon doing this in her own closet. That's not right. you got to yeah, lean yeah, into yeah. it. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Up, oh. there, yeah. and there, there you go. go. And then, Push it. And then so you put a shelf a on shelf so This here. would support yeah. a shelf or a shelf and a pole to hang your got clothes it. off of. And so okay. it's completely adjustable to your and needs. And you can just lay a shelf on top of this. Yes, you don't you could. have to... You don't have to it screw it in okay. or anything. That's right. right. And it just keeps growing And the with poles you. can be, a, you know... A Different lengths. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Adjustable. They can be very technical yeah. term. But you, you can adjust those and you don't have to deal with uh, putting nails in the, in the wall there. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. Okay. You very can also cool. secure this to the wall if you want to, but you don't have to. So okay. this, this weekend on, on At Home with Dean, we've got uh, furniture. Making furniture, sure that including you'd... mattresses. Ooh, that's a good one. Which is just... If you've ever tried to shop for a mattress, one of the most important, arguably the most important piece of furniture in your house because you spend a third of your life on it. Sure. Trying to shop one, scientifically, comparison shop, it's a circus. And and the best part about mattresses is if you buy them through the mail and now they come in the boxes that are about the size of a shoebox and then it explodes in your room into a full-size mattress, then you burn it. Uh, I don't know. What else would you do? Dean, yeah. thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Uh, if you guys, it. If you are here at HQ Gastropub, come on out and uh, say hi to Dean. Uh, shake his hand and ask him about closets and furniture and that sort of thing. This is a great crowd. It's, well, so far. I mean, and I now, mean, it's good so far. And now it's, all of us can go home and build closets. It's, I don't know about all of us. When we come back, we did not win the lottery. 
this week. Everybody was losing their minds. 522, I think it was 522 million, and somebody in San Jose had a ticket. Now, when you say that, it sounds like bad news, but when we come mm-hmm. back, we're going to tell you how it's good news. Yes, because bad, bad, horrible things can happen to you if you win the lottery. We'll talk about some of the bad, horrible things that have happened to those evil people. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live at HQ Pub at 5th and PCH in Huntington Beach. Come on by. Ask your heart who loves only you. Then you will find your true love will be Someone who cares for you and wants to make you happy Gary and Shannon Then when your heart says you love We are live today, HQ Gastropub, 5th and PCH here in Huntington Beach for our latest news and brews. About halfway through the show. Still plenty of time for you to come on out and have some lunch. And we're still keeping our eye on the big fires. We will go live to both of those fires coming up afternoon and after 1 o'clock up in Shasta County and Redding, the one who ripped through neighborhoods, as well as the battle the firefighters face near Idlewild. Uh, the, uh, the economy grew at a 4.1% clip in the second quarter. At uh, 12.30, when we get into Swamp Watch, we'll talk more about the numbers and what they're going to mean going forward. Uh, but... The big one of the big stories this week was the lottery. The Mega Millions, I think, made it up to five hundred and was it forty three million dollars before somebody in San Jose made the, made way with with one ticket, a one winning ticket, five forty three before taxes. We didn't want that anyway. Well, it comes with a lot of problems. Mo money, mo problems. Uh, you tell it, sister. That's what they say. <laughs> Good God. Good God. Uh, I don't know. Uh, there and what I. I, I think we all search out these stories about lottery winnings that have gone bad because when you don't win, you have to make yourself feel better somehow. Even though there was a one chance in $47 billion that you were going to win, everybody likes to know that sometimes the, the, you know, somebody slips into $200 million and it ruins their life. Like Andrew Whitaker. Friends call him Jack. Jack was 55 and president of... Virginia Construction Company. He was already worth $17 million when his good fortune, which turned out to be bad fortune, struck. He gave away much of the newfound money to charity. Nice guy. Well, way to go, Jack. Uh, along with a $50,000 thank you gift to the woman who sold him the winning ticket. And then his luck made a U-turn. The weird part about this guy was he, he, none of this stuff had to happen. He goes to a strip club. And, well, there you well, go. right. I mean, that's the no, very few good stories start with he went to a strip if club. If you've just won millions of do- dollars in the lottery, the strip club comes to you. Am I right? Okay. Well, now we know what your plan is for when you oh, win the lottery. Not my but my plan. I'm just saying you shouldn't have to bother with going to said strip club. Okay, I'll go with that. Yes, but he goes to a strip club and stashes a half a million bucks in his car. Dumb, dumb, dumb. Somebody breaks into his car and steals the half a million bucks. Now, if you're breaking into cars at a strip club, I don't think anyone, no one expects that they're going to find a half a million dollars in that car. So those guys are the two luckiest guys who ever did that. Um, a few months later, his granddaughter's uh, boyfriend ODs on his property, in his house, get dead gone. I bet he supplied the money for the drugs, Very too, possible. Because he probably gave a bunch to his family. A few months after that, granddaughter ODs, dies, gone, boom, in his house. He was sued because when you have that much money, everybody wants a piece of it. A bunch of people sued him for all kinds of things, and he had to pay to settle a bunch of these lawsuits. The last time he made the news 
was just a couple of years ago when his house burned down. Mm. His house burned down, and because you have $200 million, you never think about insuring it, which he never did, so he's out all of the money of the house. And then quickly, the tale of Aruz Khan. He was 46 and living in Chicago when he won a million dollars a handful of years ago. He had given up buying lotto tickets, but decided one last time would be all right. So it was a scratch-off, and he got it at his local 7-Eleven, and he got the one lump sum instead of installments. A day after the check is cut, and before he could spend a dime, he was found dead. Ah! Poisoning. No! Yes! Uh, Marie Holmes is another one. Marie Holmes used to work at Walmart. In 2015, she won... Two, uh, she won $188 million in the Powerball in North Carolina. The moment, the moment she won, her life started going downhill. So, again, out come the lawsuits. A bunch of people want to sue her for money that they think that they deserve. Uh, she has to bail out a boyfriend from jail. Mm. By the way, don't, ladies, don't do bail. Millions of dollars. She did it three times. She bailed him out three times. Millions of dollars. Uh, word got out then at one point, mom, her mom was the one who picked the numbers and let her daughter cash the, you know, take in the winning lottery ticket. So finally, she's more controversy. Uh, she's tapped for possession of marijuana. She's millions of dollars in the hole on bail money for her boyfriend. Um, finally, it turns out that she is a big loser who now works again at Walmart. Wow, that was pretty depressing. Well, I'm just saying, it comes full circle. I've got a fun list really quickly of things that people have bought with their lotto winnings. A weather station, (laughs) a robotic lawnmower. That's fine, that's cool. A celebrity Big Brother gold chair. That is not cool. A heart monitor for a local hospital. Very cool. 1950s jukebox. Very cool. You don't need that because our Flashback Friday day today is 1959. Uh, An acre of the moon. Not cool. Not cool. Not unless you're going to be there. Yeah. All right. uh, We will continue. We'll come back and do our trending stories, all those stories that uh, are trending right now on social media. But there's still a couple hours in the show left. So come on out. HQ Gastro Pub in Huntington Beach. We would love to see you. That's when you applaud. That's when the thing goes. Please clap. Please clap. Please clap. (laughs) Gary and Shannon will continue right after this. Let's go. All set, Theodore? You bet. Are you ready, Alvin? Ready, Alvin? Alvin! Ah, yes! We sure like girls, all kinds of girls, from any... Gary and Shannon. Wow, we are, uh, we are live today, HQ Gastro Pub at 5th and PCH here in Huntington Beach. Uh, I apologize to the blonde woman in the back over there who has no idea what's going on. She has zero clue. Oh, she is, like, she's her... here for some a nice lunch? Yeah, she was here for a quiet lunch. Yeah. Well, apologies. Yeah, we're sorry to everyone who thought they weren't going to come into this mess today. Yeah, so uh, we are uh, <laughs> at the bottom of the hour. She, <laughs> she just had the most gobsmacked look on her face over here. Like, why are these two people... Yapping. Yeah, I know. Yapping. I know. I ask uh, the same thing every day. Big, uh, the big stories that we're going to cover, we'll get to uh, in just a second. We want to remind everybody that you can follow us on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Gary and Shannon Show. Or, sorry, at Gary and Shannon. And when you talk about us today, we've already had a couple of people uh, tag HQ Gastropub in it as well. And it shows up on the screens around here. Somebody suggested we do the show in Vegas so that they can go. Done. So, Done. Uh, here, just a quick... Since I know that there is management in the house, and I'm not going to tell you where or who, but if we were to do the show in Vegas, would you guys road trip with us? 
We could have like a whole caravan. You know, we could all pit stop at Bun Boy. <laughs> Again, that's, that's just funny. Hey, what else is going on? Time for what's happening. Unfortunately, terrible news coming out of the the news from the fire up in Shasta County there that has burned through a chunk of Redding. Cal Fire now confirming that a firefighter and a bulldoze operator have lost their lives there battling the car fire. We, uh, we talked with uh, Jennifer Jones-Lee a little bit earlier in the show today. She's from the area, so she knows a lot of people who have been affected by this fire. And she's got family members that have had to evacuate as well. The, the, the most uh, telling thing, I think, about this car fire burning up in Redding is that there were notifications that were sent out on social media by law enforcement and by fire services up there that said, we're not doing, we're not doing any structure protection, we're not trying to fight this fire that their main priority overnight was just to get people out of the way because it was, it was moving that fast. It was that explosive. At 2.30 in the morning, people were getting that knock on the door, that blast through the neighborhood over the speaker. Three firefighters from Marin County Fire have also suffered burn injuries. A containment there is at 3%. More than 44,000 acres have burned. And when we talk about that kind of devastation, these are 65 homes. Lost. Yeah. 55 more suffering damage. So, uh, And that's just one of the fires. The Ferguson fire near Yosemite is at almost 46,000 acres and 29% containment. And then in a few minutes, actually, Corbin Carson is going to join us in just a bit and talk about the Cranston fire, the one near Idlewild. That's at about uh, 11,500 acres, and they're going to have a tough day on that one. But Corbin's going to join us in a few minutes to talk more about that. At some point today, The New Yorker is going to publish an investigation into CBS and its CEO, Les Moonves. News of this impending investigation, and you know where this is headed, into Me Too territory. Uh, The impending investigation means the company's stock fell more than 6% when the news hit. And so far, it's very vague. The New Yorker is holding tight to information, but they're saying it involves unwanted touching and unwanted kissing going on from from good old Les. Not that this has stopped any of these other guys before, but Les Moonves has been married to... uh to Julie Chen for 14 or 15 years, I think. Oh, that's right. Uh, and before that was married to a woman for 25 years. So, I mean, he's been married the whole time, supposedly, that this has been going on. But again, the story itself about Les Moonves hasn't hit the New Yorker website yet, but everybody's anticipating some of the details in that. We told you the story of this missing uh, jogger in Iowa, a college student. She was last seen more than a week ago while jogging. I believe it was Wednesday. Uh, Investigators are now looking into a pig farm and numerous other properties in Iowa there. They have been looking at a number of suspects, including a boyfriend. And they, they said yesterday, I believe, that they've ruled him out as, an, as a suspect in the investigation into the disappearance of Molly Tibbetts. Which is exactly what I would say. Yeah, because you want to let him go and see what he's going to do. Right. See what he's going to get on the, the, the texting and, the, and, and see, who, see who he's going to call and all of that. Yeah, this, that's, that story is going to unfortunately have a bad ending to it, I believe. Uh, but the Powashake County Emergency Management Agency said that they're even looking to see if they can track her Fitbit to see if they can digitally trace her final steps. The boyfriend to me seems suspect. 
Oh, yes. And there's a brother involved as well. Like the boyfriend has a brother and she was staying at someone's house to watch the dogs. It, something's bad there. One of the other trending stories today is the lunar eclipse. It's coming today. Uh, the longest lunar eclipse of the 21st century. For one hour, 42 minutes and 57 seconds, uh, as long as you're not under the marine layer, you'll be able to see the uh, lunar eclipse. Mars is also at its brightest right now. So we've got two bright red objects in our sky. <laughs> Mars. Uh, one of the funniest stories today is um, there's a drug-sniffing dog in Colombia that has a bounty on its head. Well, he does good work. He, apparently that pisses off the Colombian drug cartels. They're uh, sombra. Does anybody know what sombra means in English? No. no. Okay. Shadow? No, there's zero bilingual Is it people. Shadow? Southern California. What? Is it shadow? Yes. Oh. Did you read that? No. Liar. A six-year-old German shepherd named Sombra is uh, incredibly popular with kids. She's at the, she works at the airport, apparently. But the Urabenos Mafia has put a bounty of 200 million pesos on this dog's head because it is too effective. At what, it, as, at what it, it does? At what it does? At its job? Sniffing so, cocaine. S- sniffing out cocaine. Sniffing cocaine is not what the dog does. Maybe that's why the dog is so good. <laughs> you ever think, think of that? So. The, over the last three years, Sombra has been credited with nine tons of cocaine seizures. So, little little quick prayer for Sombra. Make sure she doesn't get... Sombra's fine. Sombra's going to be okay. You say so. All right. We are at HQ Gastropub in Orange County, 5th and PCH, having a party. Come enjoy the cool breeze, the brews, the excellent company. Got a lot of our friends here today. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. We ended up in the gambling spot where the liquor flowed. And the dice were hot, so here we are In the Tijuana jail Ain't got no friends to go our bed Gary and Shannon broadcasting live at HQ Gastropub here at 5th and PCH in Huntington Beach ahead of the Vans U.S. Open of Surfing here in Huntington Beach. The event runs today to August 5th. A lot of fun to be had out here in Huntington Beach this week. Uh, we are going to be out here until 2 o'clock doing our show live, so there's still plenty of time for you to come on out to HQ Gastropub at 5th MPCH. Uh, some of the stories that we're going to keep an eye on today, the, the story about Les Moonves, the head of CBS, the network says they're investigating claims of uh, some sexual improprieties, maybe some unwanted touching or kissing. Because there's a big story that's going to drop in the New Yorker today from, uh, from Ronan Farrow again, the guy who wrote all of the Harvey Weinstein stories and broke all those. So uh, they haven't published the story yet. New Yorker magazine has been pretty tight-lipped about what exactly is going to be in it. But Les Moonves is a guy who has uh, he's been married basically since 1978 to two different people, but, but he's been married the whole yeah, time. Yeah, but that hasn't stopped anyone. None of them have been stopped <laughs> by that. Um, the economy also grew at a 4.1% pace in the second quarter. And when we get into Swamp Watch at the bottom of the hour, we talk about what's going on in D.C. We'll get more into what those numbers mean uh, and who gets credit for it. We want to get back out to that fire burning near Idlewild. And Corbin Carson, who's been covering this for KFI News, joins us now live. Corbin, what is the latest? What's up, guys? Yeah, it is a virtual air show out here. We have all kinds of... Uh, 
they are just hammering this fire. The DC-10s, VLATs, heavy helitankers, crews and engines, engine companies just building containment lines. They are really going to town. And I got to tell you, I mean, if I had to guess, you know, with all my fire knowledge, this is a third of what we were seeing yesterday as far as the black, black smoke. I mean, there's still some flames that you can see up on the ridge. There's two different sites that are really being looked at right now, and I just got done getting the very latest from U.S. Forest. They were telling me they're trying to button up this area just east of Idlewild. That's really been a, a problem next to uh, Lake Hemet up here by the command center where I'm at. The other area is a little bit east, uh, just a little bit uh, east and south of that area, and, and it only has wilderness to go. Are there threats? That was the big question. Are there threats to these thousands of homes that we've been hearing about? My early answer that I'm getting just minutes ago is no. They, they have all the lines that they built this morning and, and, and pre- in preparation for today are really paying off, and they've really been able to get this fire under uh, a little bit, I shouldn't say under control, but they've really been able to get a handle on keeping it away from homes and houses. And the idea now is that the weather is actually is okay. It's working with um, the crews right now. But the big story is, and they're trying to take advantage of that, that weather right now, especially to uh, get ahead because, you know, as I, I spoke to you guys earlier, the, the worry was the weather was going to be an issue. And right now it seems like it's working together. One caveat to that is the wind. It could pick up and change. There could be a slight uh, change in the wind that could uh, uh, change the direction of the fire and stuff like that. But the the easternmost area is the part that 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 everyone is is feeling like that would only grow in. And again, it only has wilderness to go. Can you tell me more about the weather? You said it's it's cooperating. Does that mean it's uh, cooler and a little bit the humidity is on its way up? Winds are down. Well, you know, uh, cooler is a relative term. I'm sweating up here. It's certainly humid up here, but it isn't like it was yesterday and certainly not like it was the day before. I would say a few degrees cooler, and, and that is some of the cooperation. Air, air quality that we saw, saw, saw this morning, that was the scariest. A lot of that is gone as soon as that, as soon as that layer lifted and allowed these, these air tankers and, 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 and air crews to get up there and start, and start delivering the water and, and retardant to the area. So, yes, I think it is helping. Again, I still see flames in spots, right, licking up the sides of the mountains. A lot of that stuff is already burned in black. But, again, I think it's a lot less than we were seeing yesterday. Still early on in the third day of fighting this beast, uh, how many people do you know remain uh, evacuated? Or I I guess I should say how many homes do you know uh, are evacuated? And is it too soon to talk about when they could be going back in? I should tell you all of those numbers. Yes, yeah, 6,000 was the last I saw of people that are gone. Um, a lot of the problems with the uh, evacuees going in early, uh, returning to their homes, was power. A lot of those areas have no power. The uh, power lines have been destroyed. The ways in and out of their areas have been really burned up. And that's going to be the issue for, for uh, uh, them, getting, them getting power back and being able to return their homes just to make sure it's safe up there before they can go home. But uh, really the big story, I don't know if you've heard this, not to switch subjects, is the new counts that came out for this arson guy that, that we just got. More than a dozen arson counts involving nine separate fires against the guy that is, is suspected to have started this, a 32-year-old man out of Temecula, 
and and he is, is, is accused of starting this now 11,500-acre fire. This is the guy who uh, was running up and down the 74, allegedly, uh, a couple of days ago, setting fires until cops caught up with him in southwest Riverside. He's being held on a million dollars bail. But if he's convicted, he is facing life in prison. Do we know anything about a motive for this other than just being crazy? Yeah. That is the, 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 the question, the $25,000 question, not to use an extremely old pun, but the, uh, I mean, what, or is it the 65000 I can't remember. But uh, what, uh, one of the DC-10s right now just dropped a big, huge, uh, that pinkish, reddish retard, and it's always cool to see that. But, um, yeah, so, uh, one of the biggest issues was I, I went looking for criminal records on this guy, and I haven't found anything earlier uh, on him, and there's no understanding of why anyone would think uh, to do this, especially during the dead of summer. Uh, so we'll just have to wait and see. His first court appearance is today. And uh, we're not, obviously, we're probably not going to hear anything from him today, but we're going to have to wait and see if any, any kind of motive comes out later. A lot of lives on the line from this guy. Uh, thank you so much. Great stuff, Corbin. Appreciate it. Thanks. Talk again, guys. All right. Corbin Carson there, the latest on that fire. That's uh, the Cranston fire burning up near Idlewild. And again, uh, the two other fires that are burning in the state are uh, draining resources. And as Corbin referred to uh, earlier when we talked to him, there are literally firefighters from around the world that have been coming in to help fight these fires because there are also fires burning in Oregon, Washington State, in uh, Alaska, all the way down to New Mexico as we see this uh, high-pressure system. It's not only you know been giving us triple-digit temperatures, it's causing some other extreme weather conditions uh, in those other states as well. But the big one, uh, the Ferguson fire near Yosemite, the largest burning right now, is almost 46,000 acres. And one of the problems with that is just the the bark beetles that you mentioned. I mean, the dead trees that have been uh, just adding fuel, literal fuel to this fire. So um, we'll try to perk things up a little bit, okay? Just a little bit. Yeah, Swamp Watch is coming up. We do have Swamp Watch coming up. There's always good stuff, good entertaining stuff. Can we talk about Kimberly Guilfoyle again? If you want to. Yeah, sure. That's a good good time. Uh, We are live today, HQ Gastropub, 5th and PCH. Good thing and perfect lunchtime, by the way. What a great crowd! You already you ordered your lunch, right? You just no. uh, yeah, I did. I, I I put it in for you. Oh, thanks. Uh, we'll surprise you with it. But a fantastic lunch menu here at HQ Gastropub. Um, I think you got the sliders. Excellent. I got the, uh, the 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 pork short rib tacos. Oh yeah. So we're gonna dive into those while we're uh, talking about politics here in just a few minutes. Again, HQ Gastropub, Fifth and PCH in Huntington Beach, right across from the water. Right across from the U.S. Open of Surfing, which begins tomorrow. We'd love it if you would come on out and say hi, take a picture, grab a picture, grab a sticker. Gary and Shannon, KFI 640. It was a simpler time. 1959, that reminds me of the first big international surfing competition here in Huntington Beach. That's exactly right, right, Gary. That is is when the first big international surfing competition hit Huntington Beach. You've got an excellent recall. Craig, you're going to eat that in front of us? Okay. I'm just checking. Because that smells unbelievable. What is it? It's a burger over there. Don't get angry at it. Uh, <coughs> Gary and Shannon, we are here in Huntington Beach at HQ Gastropub for a News and Brews Summer Edition, 5th and PCH, with the best crowd ever. 
Um, and we are staying on top of all the fires burning in California, as well as the information due to come out at some point about the head of CBS, Les Moonves, and his inappropriate conduct or behavior or kissing or touching. But right now it is 12.30, which means we dive straight into the swamp. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Well, the biggest news, I think, coming out of Washington, D.C. today was uh, incredibly positive. Uh, and we haven't, we haven't said that in a while because usually it's just all swampy and nasty and gross. But the information today that the GDP, the gross domestic product, grew at a solid 4.1% pace in the second quarter. That's the best we've seen in the last four years. Megan Hughes is covering the story for us from Capitol Hill, joins us now with all the details. Megan, what can you tell us? Well, glad to be with you guys. It sounds like news and brews sounds like a good time. I'd be happy to get out of the swamp and uh, you are, join you, you are there. We would more than welcome to have you. But I will tell you, uh, here in Washington, this was, you said it, it was, it was a good day for President Trump and his economic team. Um, a unquestionable 4.1% GDP growth uh, in the second quarter. That's up from 2.2% in the first quarter of the year. Uh, big question, though, will it last? And the president is saying, absolutely, this is sustainable. Um, but a lot of what he's hanging that, that on is uh, trade deals that we haven't seen yet. So it's, it's very difficult to say. And, and a lot of the number came from exports, uh, which was actually foreign companies rushing to buy soybeans before uh, retaliatory tariffs went into effect. It, so we'll see some of that drop off. But the, the tax cuts were also given credit for some of this growth. Right. The tax cuts and some of the government spending, some of the stimulus that, that was part of the budget, the GOP budget. Um, now, that's going to have a temporary impact, too. And it's hard to say exactly how much the tax cuts themselves impacted uh, this number. But we do know that consumer spending was really strong. There's no question that that was good news. That was up 4%. So more Americans are buying things. There's optimism, the tight labor market. Um, no question, a good, a good number today. Well, what do we do with this now? I mean, the, the president has said that this is probably the beginning of what he expects to be several quarters of growth in the four or five, even six percent range is what he was saying at the uh, uh, in Illinois yesterday. Is that, can't is that be on track to do that. Is that possible? Yeah. Uh, I, I will tell you that economists are, are not that optimistic. They actually think that this may be the peak, this this 4% number today. Um, now, if he gets up to 3% for the year, then that's going to be great. I will say that what he has said in, in his speeches uh, about this being a historic turnaround, about this being the best economy that we've ever had, some of those things that he's saying are, are certainly overstating things. If you look at, at history, uh, even within the Obama administration, it did reach 4% or higher uh, four times during the Obama administration in a, in a, when we're talking about a quarter. Um, so that's just putting that into perspective. No question a good number, but let's put it into perspective. Uh, the one thing that I will say is unquestionably good news politically for President Trump and perhaps for Republicans heading into the midterms. This is going to be the last GDP report until right before Election Day, October 26th. So this number is certainly giving them something good to campaign on when it comes to Republicans talking about the economy. I'm wondering, too, if they're able, if China and the president are able to put uh, this whole trade war talk to bed, to come up with some sort of deal. I don't know 
what the timetable would be on that, but if that would boost things as well. Are economists talking about that possibility at all? Well, I think that's where it gets very difficult to forecast as to whether or not we see trade wars continue or whether or not we see um, some of the trade deals as promised. Uh, Larry Kudlow, economic advisor for the White House, spoke today at this event, the president really rolling out his his entire economic team as these numbers came out, impromptu news conference, and said, I, I think you're going to see the president's efforts uh, to reform trade bear a lot of fruit. So there's a lot of promises being made, but without a lot of details about where we're going to see trade deals and what those are going to look like. It's really hard to game the numbers. Um, there is a seat here if you want to fly out and come out and hang out by the beach. Oh, I would be happy to. I don't think things are going to slow down around here, though. The president is going to be in New Jersey this weekend at his golf club, so so we, we will see. Uh, the other big news, of course, today we, we heard about the uh, the Russia meeting seems to be back on here at the White House, and the president may go to Moscow, so we're going to be tracking that. All right, Megan. Megan, thank you so much. Appreciate uh, appreciate your time. Great stuff, as always. Glad to be with you guys. I think that's the last time anybody was like, nah, California. Right. I, I'm going to be in New I'll Jersey. I'll be in New Jersey. And I, but yeah, I get it. She's got, she's got her hands full. That is not a boring job in the past, uh, past couple of years. Uh, there's like still some stuff coming up in Swamp Watch we're going to get to, including Michael Avenatti, uh, Stormy Daniels' lawyer. Swore I'd never say her name again, but I just did. So her... Her lawyer has information that he doesn't want to share with anybody. And another fame hound, speaking of that guy, another fame hound is coming out with a big book in the next couple of weeks. Omarosa. Uh, I can't wait because I think that, I th- oh, she'll have the sliders. Thank I'll have you, the sir. short rib thank tacos. You. Holy cow. Let's thank get you. Into that. Never mind. The show is over, folks. Time for lunch. <laughs> also, the uh, president denying knowing about that Trump Tower meeting in advance. That was the meeting that Donald Trump Jr. took with, uh, what's her name again? You know, Vizelnitskaya. Vizelnitskaya. And I believe that he's absolutely right. I don't think uh, Don Jr. told good old dad about that. I, I, wanted, I think he wanted to surprise him with whatever came out of that meeting. Uh, it is lunchtime. Come on out to HQ Gastropub in Huntington Beach and hang out, have some fun, grab some lunch and a beer, a glass of wine, whatever it is. We'd love to meet you. Uh, we'll come back in more Swamp Watch right after this on Gary and Shannon. Is that someday you'll care? My hopes and my dreams come true. My one and only you. No one will ever know how much I love you so. My only Gary and Shannon. Are you going to be okay? Yeah, I just need a moment. You uh, ate those three tacos <laughs> in 45 seconds, and now you have a... a, a Beat of sweat coming down. My, yes. Uh, HQ Gastropub, 5th and PCH. They're the ones who gave me those uh, beef... The, Whatever, the short rib tacos were, were amazing. Yeah, those are good. Uh, so they have some for you as well. I mean, you have to pay for them too, but you got to come down. Uh, HQ Gastropub, 5th and PCH. We're here for another hour or so doing our show live for our latest news and brews. Uh, the big stories that we uh, are going to talk about a little bit later, of course, the U.S. Open of Surfing, which is starting this weekend. And we're going to talk more about that at the top of the hour. Uh, the fires that are burning throughout the state are unbelievable. The Cranston fire burning up near Idlewild, uh, 11,500 acres. The guy who started it, allegedly, the guy who started it was in court today. Uh, and he is facing uh, life a, in prison. A dozen charges, potentially life in prison for starting these fires. That's where he should be. A uh, car fire is perhaps the most active right now. That's the one that's burning up in the Shasta, Redding area. 44,000 acres, only 3% containment. And they were 
basically giving up on structure protection last night. They were just concentrating on getting people out of the way of that fire. We told you months ago when that meeting or news of the meeting had surfaced between Don Jr., Donald Trump Jr., and Natalia Veselnitskaya, yes, that one, where she pretended that she had some dirt on Hillary Clinton, and so Donald Trump Jr. took a meeting with her, and she actually had nothing. And, and Jared Kushner was in the room for a time, but realized that she was nothing, and she had no information, so he took off. The president now making it clear that he had no idea about that meeting between his son and the Russian lawyer. Well, we've, we've said this before. My theory on the whole Don Jr. and uh, Jared Kushner thing is that Donald Jr. never had the political chops that Jared Kushner did. And if you remember, Jared was in that meeting also, showed up into the meeting and then said, this is total BS, I'm out of here, right. and left. Because I think he had the nose to say there's nothing, either there's nothing there or this isn't worth it. Us getting tangled with this Russian lawyer thing is not worth it. So I feel like the, it's, I think it's totally possible that, that the president knew nothing about that. I think you're absolutely right. I think Donald Trump Jr. thought, oh, I, I'm going to get something here, and, and it's gonna, I'm going to get it. Jared's not going to get it, and then I'll be in good graces. And I right. think he wanted to surprise the president with the information that never was forthcoming. Uh, the, the Michael Avenatti story, he's the attorney for Stormy Daniels. He, last night in West Hollywood said that he's got more information about three other women who says that they had relationships with the president, that they were paid hush money before the election. But at this point, he says he's not at liberty to share. Let me remind you, Michael Avenatti just settled an $800,000 outstanding tax debt with the IRS. This is not a clean guy. This guy does not work clean. So everything that he's been saying, you kind of have to take with a, a grain of salt. Omarosa being the fame-loving person that she is, back to her apprentice days, apparently has had her claws out in this new tell-all book that she is writing about the Trump White House. Uh, gallery, book, gallery Book excuse me, announced yesterday that it is going to be called Unhinged, an insider's account of the Trump White House, and it's being rushed out for an August 14th release, uh, quote, explosive jaw-dropping account. Which is what you have I, to say if you're the book publisher. I don't know how much access Omarosa had in that White House. I don't think very much. I think that they were careful with Omarosa. She was on Trump's Apprentice. She was on Celebrity Apprentice TV. If, if you're, she was also on Big Brother. Remember, just a few months ago, she was on Big Brother after she'd been kicked out of the White House. Kicked out uh, kicking and screaming, by the way. So I'm curious to know what this is going to look like, what her publicity tour is going to look like. Look, Sean Spicer came around, right? We interviewed Sean Spicer, and we both left the conversation like this. Yeah. Eh. It's kind of a nothing burger. Yeah. Now, Omarosa is going to be a whole lot more exciting, and I don't envy uh, when producer Nick starts getting the emails from the book publisher about scheduling Omarosa for an interview. I'm not having her on. I don't want to have her on. You don't think so? No. I mean, I will if you do, but I, I feel like <laughs> she's just, you know, whoring out information here that, that she may not even have. Well, there was the thing that I think is probably a turnoff for some people is that She'd been shopping around her book deal for different publishers it's all over that, the place. and it's showing up on Big Brother, and the fact that she never had the chops, really, to be in, in that role in the administration, I don't know. It just seems kind of hollow. I don't uh, think there's a lot there there. I think you're going to read a lot about her interactions with the president when she was on reality TV. 
but and not from the White House. No. She does say at one one episode that um, all the people around the president attacked her. Uh, they were warning him keep her at arms uh, keep her at arms length because right. you don't want her too close. Right. Don't give her access. Don't let her talk to and him. And I think that's what happened. Hey, if Ivanka and Jared are the smartest people in the room in that conversation, they should get points for that, for being smart enough to realize that that's who they were dealing with in that woman. So uh, the other story, just to wrap up the whole Russia thing, because <laughs> that won't ever wrap up, it looks like Vladimir Putin has now instead invited Donald Trump to visit him in Moscow and said he's ready to come to the White House if, in fact, he does that. He told reporters in South Africa that, Phone calls were not sufficient, that they need to talk face-to-face to get all the deals done when it comes to Iran and Syria and all that sort of thing. All right, coming up next, we will be talking to Jennifer Lau all about the Vans U.S. Surf Open that is beginning today, all the fun throughout the weekend that we're all going to have here in Huntington Beach. We are live at HQ Gastropub for our News and Brews, 5th and PCH in Huntington Beach. And I think it's time that I drink this Chardonnay. Oh, where did that come from? A lovely friend. Oh, that's very nice. Gary and Shannon will continue after her glass of Chardonnay next. Gary and Shannon, live today at HQ Gastropub. Oh, Richie Valens. We are 5th and PCH in Huntington Beach. I didn't even know that was Richie Valens. Richie Valens. Not going to lie to you. I didn't know Odonna. A uh, bunch of stories at the bottom of the hour. Mo Kelly is going to join us. We're going to get in through uh, into some of the movies that are starting up this weekend. Uh, but the big stories that we've been following are the fires that are burning throughout the state of California. The Cranston Fire here in Southern California, up near Idlewild, has reached 11,500 acres. Uh, today could be a big day. The weather has cooled off a bit. The winds have died down. The humidity is up. So uh, they're, they're definitely fighting this thing from the air today, much more so than they have uh, in the previous few days, uh, previous few days, because they can now. Uh, the Ferguson fire burning near Yosemite is close to 46,000 acres. And then the most active, it looks like, is the car fire burning up near Shasta. Two R's in that, just so everybody pays attention. The car fire, 40, almost 45,000 acres. But at this point, uh, two deaths attributed to that fire in the Shasta area and uh, several dozen structures that have already been burned. And they are, it's just rolling through neighborhoods up there. The Vans U.S. Open of Surfing today in Huntington Beach kicking off, and it is through uh, next week as well, right? Nine days? Jennifer Lau joins us. She's the vice president of IMG's Action and Lifestyle Sports Division to tell us all the details. Hello. You're busy. You? You're so busy. busy. Thank you for taking time for us. I, I can't even imagine. No, it's, it's fine. It's my pleasure. I love having you guys out here and, and you know, being out here in the Huntington Beach community. Uh, so I have to say a big thank you, Huntington Beach in general, for hosting us um, over the next nine days. But it does kick off on Saturday. Um, so we are working fast and furious to get up with the, the surfing competition that starts off at 8 o'clock with the juniors. Um, and then we have practice uh, for skateboarding and freestyle BMX, which Vans, with their Vans Park Series and the Vans BMX Pro Cup. So we have a, a pretty packed weekend, first weekend alone, um, leading into the final weekend, which will be next August 4th and 5th. We talked with Steve Van Doren a bit earlier with Vans, and he was talking about the, the process of building the, the town, basically, on the beach there south of the pier that is up now for Van... This, this has got to be... I mean, I know physically the buildings are going to take a couple of weeks to put up, but is this a year-round process that you're planning for next year already? 
Yeah, absolutely. We work really closely with the city of Huntington and with all city department personnel, which have been incredible. But it is a year-round um, effort between bands, our title sponsor, with the World Surf League, um, and IMG. We work diligently with the city in planning 365 days a year and just you know, providing a really great experience for, for the community with, as well as a, a first-hand experience for the athletes itself. It is performance, high-performance um, competition in surfing, skateboarding, and BMX. So um, it's a little bit of everything for everyone. And, um, yeah, it's 365 days a year, a lot of hard work, and <laughs> a lot of, but it's been a lot of fun, a lot of fun. What are you most excited to see? You know, surfing has such a long history here in Surf City, USA. Um, you know, we've got... You know, we're the seventh stop on the Women's um, World Surf League World Championship Tour. So having premier elite athletes like those incredible women that are, that are surfing all over the world and coming here to Huntington is, is really exciting. Um, there's a really, you know, there's a, a young surfer that's on the rise in Carolyn Marks. Um, she is 16 years old and is the youngest competitor to ever qualify for a world uh, championship tour, men wow. or women. So Where is she from? She is from Orange County um, oh, cool. here, so she's a local, which is, which is great. Um, and then obviously, you know, watching Kanoe Igarashi, who is our 2017 Vans uh, Men's U.S. Open champion, and he's a local here in Huntington. But what Vans produces and creates with the Vans Park Series and the Vans BMX Pro Cup, which are global tours... Having a stop here with the world's elite skateboarders and BMX riders here is amazing. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's high-profile competition. So I think for me, what I'm most looking forward to is just watching a lot of the youth of our athletes in skateboarding, surfing, and BMX really showcase their, their skills out here. And nine days of competition, is that that's all. That's amazing. And it's all kinds, like you were saying, all these different kinds of competition as well. Correct. It's nine days. And then, you know, we support it, too, with a lot of our, our great activations, with a lot of the brands that are supporting action sports. So, you know, with Vans, who is here locally in, in Orange County, what they are able to provide, it's, it's you know, a lot of activities for, for youth, but at the same time, you know, they're providing entertainment even for all ages. Um, you have Michelob Ultra. And you also have Jeep and a lot of our sponsors that have activations that really sort of round out what this cultural experience is for the Vans U.S. Open of Surfing. Yeah. Very, very cool. Uh, could you, the, the Surfing Hall of Fame, I think, is, is something that I don't know if anybody knows that it even exists. I shouldn't say everybody, but uh, there are people who don't know it exists. But you guys are making a big deal out of it again this year. Yeah, we actually, there's actually two. We work very closely with Jax and Huntington Surf and Sport. Uh, there's a Surfing Hall of Fame and the Surfing Walk of Fame. Um, the Surfing Walk of Fame does take place on Thursday, um, and the Surfing Hall of Fame is, is on Friday. So it is a great celebration of all of the surfers that have contributed, um, whether it's through performance and, and participating in surfing alone in competition um, or within the industry itself. So it's, it's a great way to really, this event is really embracing the surfing community. You guys have live webcasts, too. Is that new, or did I miss that last year? Uh, it has been around for a while. Okay. Um, we've been doing live webcasts for the last probably six to seven years. Um, you know, with us in action sports, you know, we were one of the industries that, uh, or, you know, verticals in sports that really adopted live streaming. So, you know, you've got surfing and, and there's so many avid um, surf fans around the world that don't make it to Huntington. Yeah. So we adopted, uh, you know, the industry itself adopted live streaming. We start on Monday, um, July 29th, sorry. <laughs> yeah. uh, these days are, are, are blending together. But the live webcast will begin starting at 7.30 um, with our men and, and World Championship Tour women. 
Uh, isn't wouldn't Huntington be like the mecca for surfers? I mean, why wouldn't they come here at least at one point? They do, and actually, we have great representation. And again, being number the stop number seven on the world uh, on the women's world championship tour, I mean, that speaks you know for itself. Um, we're also a qualifying series ten thousand event, which is the highest you know grade of the world qualifying series rated events. Um, and we do have a number of men that are on the world championship tour that that do come here, and we're in the backyard of the action sports industry. Um, so especially with Vans, who is local here, it's a great way for the brand itself to really showcase and provide a platform for their athletes in skate, surf, and BMX. Jennifer, What's, what's oh, the sorry. easiest way for people to get all that information? Is, uh, the website? Is that right? VansUSOpenOfSurfing.com. That's correct. Is that right? That's correct. And so, yeah, all the event information is, is right there on the website. Or you can download the app on WorldSurfLeague.com. Oh, there's an app, too. There is an app. That's awesome. I well, like those get back to work. I mean, you've, been, you've been constantly taking notes about last-minute stuff. I can tell you're freaking out. So go back across the street and get, get to work. Thank you, Jennifer. You Thank Jennifer you, friends, for having me. Vice Thank President you. of IMG's Action and Lifestyle Sports Division. Thank you so much. And it is going to be a great nine days out here in Huntington Beach. It's a great time already here. Right, At I mean, HQ Gastropub. You've gone food comatose. No, no, no. Yes, I, I you think have. This will this will make oh, it feel better. There you go. Just put some of that on top of it, and it makes it feel better. Okay. It's like a salve. Rub a little tussin on it. Okay. When we come back, we are going to get an update on the fire. Uh, our friend Alex Stone is going to talk to us about uh, one of the big fires burning here in Southern, uh, here in California. Um, and then at the bottom of the hour, Mo Kelly's going to join us for Mo on the movies. Gary, Gary and Shannon. That's us. Say you love me, then prove it by going out on the slab. Gary and Shannon and Curtis saved some truly golden oldies for this final hour of 1959 Flashback Friday year. The first year competitive surfing came to Huntington Beach. Yeah, and again, we uh, we just talked with uh, Jennifer Lau who is helping put together this whole thing uh, starting tomorrow, the Vans U.S. Open of Surfing. You can check more uh, more information about when you're going to want to get out here for the next nine days and watch this. Vans U.S. Open Surfing, sorry, U.S. Open of Surfing.com. Cool website. We are keeping our eye on the fires. Of course, Corbin Carson's been reporting from that huge fire battle uh, near Idlewild where it looks like the winds have died down a little bit at this point to let firefighters make some progress there. The air attack, as Corbin was reporting, is a strong one, so that's always nice to hear. Um, Also, Les Moonvis looks like he is sitting by his computer, or he's (laughs) sitting on his smartphone waiting for the alert, waiting for the news alert for when that New Yorker piece drops that is supposed to detail all of the uh, allegations against the head of CBS. We've heard very vague references to maybe some unwanted touching, unwanted kissing that's been going on, but he is in a ferocious battle for control right now with the board of CBS and with the, uh, what, what is the uh, entity that is the Redgrave? Sherry Redstone. Redstone. Yeah. Uh, so that the timing of this is not good for Les Moonves. And again, it hasn't hit the New Yorker magazine website yet, but they're saying it will happen today. Well, the weather has cooperated for firefighters in the San Bernardino National Forest, but it looks like weather conditions could not be worse in Shasta County, where that deadly fire continues to rage into Redding. Alex Stone is covering this for us and joins us now. Alex, uh, what is the latest? 
Hey there, guys. Yeah, I'm in a, a neighborhood right now where every home is gone. And you go through these neighborhoods along Highway 299. I'm actually right down the, the street from the, the tiny Shasta post office right up the hill from, from Redding. So coming into to West Redding. And it, it's, it's never fair on these fires. There will be neighborhoods that are gone and then one patch of homes where they're completely untouched and they have green lawns outside. But for the most part, it is home after home. And firefighters here are saying, well, officially, the count is at 65 homes that have been destroyed, most of those last night. But they actually think the number is in the hundreds, but they just haven't been able to, to go in and, and count them. Two firefighters are dead, one a bulldozer operator, a private bulldozer operator, one a fire uh, inspector. A uh, number of people have burns, including three firefighters from Marin County who are now in the burn unit down in Sacramento. This moved through with incredible power. Firefighters are saying unprecedented power. We, look, a few months ago, we talked to you while you are walking through the neighborhoods that you knew very well in the Santa Rosa area. Is this anything like that, what you saw there? You know, the, the firefighters will tell you who worked on both of the fires that this one moved faster and was more active than what they saw in Santa Rosa on the, the Tubbs fire, that this one was moving quite a bit faster through the neighborhoods. And remember, in the Santa Rosa fire, that one was running a football field every three seconds. Did they believe this one was going faster than that? This is a little bit different. Uh, in the folks who know the, the Redding area, that once you get into the west side of town, you're more in the mountains, and the homes are uh, bigger properties and, and more spread out. So it's home after home, but it's not a suburban neighborhood like Coffee Park in Santa Rosa was. This has not gotten into the heart of Redding where then you would get into those suburban neighborhoods like we'd think of in, in L.A. or anywhere else. So these homes are, are fairly spread out, but it is a massive area, and a lot of the homes, I mean, it came through so fast that the cars are completely melted. There's nothing left. They're just blobs of metal, for the most part, uh, left behind as hey, it moved through here. Also, I was just talking to a firefighter a minute ago, there is no longer, luckily, a flaming front. It is just a smoky mess with little hot spots here and there everywhere. What they're worried about is tonight... The exact same forecast is expected of the winds that popped up last night. So they're afraid. They're kind of playing whack-a-mole right now, trying to go to every hot spot and put it out with helicopters. But there's still a lot of fire that's open out here and in the buildings that are burning that when the wind kicks up tonight, that again they'll get this front that's moving through and, and then potentially could go into to more of the heart of Reading. So people are going to be out uh, evacuated for a long time, it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, it's not safe for them to come back yet because there's still a lot of fire up in these hills, even though there isn't, you know, what you would think of on uh, the, the fire burning near Idlewild where the, the images of the wall of flames moving up, that has died down in the last couple of hours. But they could very well, as the firefighters are saying, kick right back up again like it did last night. It kind of came out of nowhere on the last night when the winds kicked up and then it went running through these neighborhoods. The fear is that's going to happen tonight. It could happen tomorrow night. It's day after day. It's 100 degrees up here. You know, they've been dealing with 110 degrees day after day. And the, the, the fear is that until they can get all the fire out, and there's a lot of it in these 44,000 acres, the fire jumped 50% in size last night uh, that, that any one of these nights it could flare back up and take off again. I was going to say, I mean, the number this morning when I saw this at 44,000 acres, that was, it almost feels like it came out of nowhere. Obviously, we in Southern California have been distracted by, you know, the fire in Idlewild, the one at, uh, near Yosemite. Uh, they have been working on this for some time now. They have. Since Monday, it started near Whiskeytown, 
uh, and they've been battling it. it you know, it was a, a stubborn fire. They, they were dealing with it. They believe it started from a uh, problem with a car, you know, whether it, uh, whatever uh, part it was that, that, that sparked it in the brush. Uh, and then, uh, then it took off. But they've been battling it since then, but it hasn't been getting all that much attention because they were dealing with it. It was in fairly remote terrain. And then last night when it kicked up, it ran fast and came through here. We were listening to radio traffic last night of a battalion chief who was trapped in the neighborhood, actually right along where I am right now, uh, and he had a bunch of residents with him, and they had no way to get out. They were screaming for help. Somehow they got them out, but there are a lot of burn victims today. I mean, you know, much like Santa Rosa, where it came up at nighttime and in the wind, and nobody knew it was coming, that's what happened last night, and you had people trapped in their homes last night, unable to get out of their streets. Well, yeah, we were reading earlier about the, the TV station up there. I don't think they were doing that for show. I don't think they wanted it to get that close. And then, oh, and, and then we'll be evacuated. It'll be a big thing. I think they legitimately were caught off guard there during their newscast. Absolutely. They only came back on the air a couple hours ago, and they had to get out. Not to mention many of these areas have no power now. So, the, you know, like, again, what we often see, but the stoplights are out. So in Redding, uh, it's kind of a, a mess down there where folks are trying to get around. But for the TV station, they had to go just like the residents had to go. Now, luckily, their TV station is still standing, so they've been able to move back in. But the fear is tonight that they, they may have to go again, that, that this community has been uprooted by this fire. And there are potentially hundreds of homes that are gone. Oh, all right, Alex, thanks for your time. You got it. Thanks, guys. Alex Stone there, the latest on this uh, fire burning up in the Reading Shasta area called the Car Fire, 44,450 acres. Can I give you a little market report? Because uh, I know you love a market report on a Friday. Love it. What's the market doing? Twitter's stock plunged 20.5% because the company said monthly users decreased in the second quarter. That's worse than Facebook's drop. But Facebook on? is far more valuable. Right. Could we be rid of Twitter and Facebook in the future? <laughs> is there a God? <laughs> uh, it'll change. It'll change, but I don't know. That's 20 and a half percent. Because Facebook uh, just lost some as well. Uh, right. Zuckerberg lost a good $16 billion or something from his own pocket. So that's crazy. Yeah. Never saw that coming. Twitter recently doubled in value uh, over the past year because it became profitable for the first time. But losing 20.5% is not going to help with that. Uh, hey, whether he wants to or not, uh, we want to recognize uh, Sir Bruno Serrato, who is here from Bruno Katarina's Club and White House Restaurant. Our family member here um, at KFI. We, um, we'll have more coming up in just a few minutes. Mo is coming up. We're going to do Mo Kelly, Mo on the movies. Uh, and we'll be back with more. Gary Shannon live at HQ Gastro Pub in Huntington Beach. Still time to come on out and say hello. And guess what? Coming up before the end of the show, we're going to give away some stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. <laughs> Gary and Shannon, we're live today. HQ Gastro Pub. Fifth and PCH. Still some time to come on down and have some lunch. In fact, they're open, I think, until like midnight or 2. So you can come by HQ Gastro Pub anytime you want. Yeah. Yeah. Are you going to hit up some more of those tacos? Put some more of those in your maw? That'd be a bad idea. Yeah, I think That'd be at, a this bad point, idea. at this point, yeah. yeah. Well, Mo Kelly has joined us now for Mo on the Movies. <laughs> 
Welcome to Mo on the Movies. Oh, Red. Don't be ridiculous, darling. It's Mo on the Movies. Kiss me. Not a chance. This is where we get to dance through the meadow. Okay, here we go. Like we're in a meadow and there's flowers. Oh. You guys, You're not dancing. That's because it's radio. Oh. You could have told people that I was dancing and but they would go... But we have a live oh. audience. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I suppose that's true. You want to sing something? There. Is it? I didn't... <laughs> Your wife is so lucky. Thank <laughs> 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 oh, to differ with you. All right, before, Mo, before we get into some of the movies that are coming out this weekend, right. uh, the big deal about MoviePass, we've talked about this multiple times, so... So MoviePass is sort of an app. It's a, it's a subscription service where you pay, I think now it's down to 9 or 10 bucks a month, and you could go see a movie a day. It's long. Every day. Every, day, every single this. day. Blake goes, like, what, three times a week or something like that? Something of that nature, yeah. Which is great, but how do you make money off of a world of Blake's? That was the question that we asked about the business model. How do you make money when MoviePass ostensibly was paying for everyone's ticket, the cost in between, the difference between what you were paying and what the studio was asking for from movie theaters? We right. said, how does this work? And sure enough, it looks like it's not working. Starting to show cracks <laughs> is what it's doing. Yeah, it seems like they've run out of money altogether. Now they're unable to pay off. The movie tickets. Well, Blake was showing us today that when you try to when you try to pull up the app and you know pro- buy a ticket, basically it says not today. <laughs> it says sorry. You're throttling the app already. Not today. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I mean, there, there are other subscription services like that that don't have anything to do with movies. Whether it's um, I, I don't know a, a, a subscription to a, a liquor club, only because I'm looking at the thing of liquor up there, and you pay a certain amount of money, and if you don't order anything that that month. They'd still get your membership money, so yep. they're at least still making that. The thing is, ten bucks seems like it was way too low to begin with. If it was up around even fifty dollars a month, forty nine ninety nine a month, you would be motivated to go. You'd have to go say three or four movies. But if you didn't hit that, they're still making some money on the back end of that. Yeah, and they're pay- and they're paying wholesale. Pr- I mean, excuse me, the retail price, right? As opposed to working out an agreement with the different um, movie studios in the theaters, where they could have gotten a, a reduced rate on those tickets, maybe if they uh, by bulk if they had sold so many tickets, right? But instead, they're paying that retail price that you and I would have to pay if we were to go on any given occasion. Yeah. It was a flawed business model. Well, and we saw it today. I, I don't know if there's necessarily a connection or a parallel to be drawn, but Twitter stock took it in the shorts today be- for a couple of different reasons. I mean, they are not making money yet. Twitter no. isn't. No. So someone's Fewer finally... users uh, in the second quarter. And yeah. I don't know if that's from people... Uh, cracking down on the fake profiles? I think it's a combination of all those things. You're, you're getting rid of the users which are, are fake, you're getting rid of the, the users who are violating the terms of service, and at the same time, it's not growing at the same rate. You're not taking in this, the same level of revenue that you were from advertisers. All of that comes together for lower projected earnings, and so the, twi- uh, the shares go down. Yeah. Hey. Anything, anything good coming out this weekend? Yeah, we so we know we know that Mission Impossible. What is it? Six. Is this the last Six? one? No, I'll tell you why it's not the last one because it's being so well received by both critics and audiences. Uh, the Rotten Tomato score is ninety eight, and I think the audience score is ninety five, and Metacritic's like eighty six. Yeah. So all that means is it's going to do well enough to justify another movie. And I think what they've done they've righted the they've righted the ship in the sense that Mission Impossible three and four got bogged down in trying to deal with. 
Tom Cruise's character's love life is marriage, and they moved away from that. They just went back to just giving a straight action Good. for an hour and forty-five minutes. I hate minutes. it when they have to weave in romance, and, and that's and, not why we're there. That's not why we're there. <laughs> I want to see things blow up. That's right. You know, that's that's what you go there. He's for. there I, to I save the world, not his marriage. Legitimately break his leg on a building when he tries to jump into it again. And, and we had a conversation, I think it was last year, about these aging stars, 50 and older, whether they can bring in the type of box office. Now, Tom Cruise can't bring in the millions that he did maybe 15, 20 years ago, but he still can justify greenlighting a movie on his name alone. It will probably come in at number one this weekend. Yeah. Uh, I did see a very funny uh, image of Tom Cruise. You remember when he was in Outsiders? Remember oh, one, of the, yes. one of the very first 35 years ago? Right. <laughs> It's him with his nasty teeth. Yeah. Like Dr. Cunning needs to see this guy teeth where he had one he had one tooth sticking out this way. Yeah, it yeah. looked like it looked like a, a a roof tile sticking out the wrong way yeah. and he's looking like a tough guy in that I don't movie. think that he needs to go to a Dr. Cunning. I think he just went to Scientology and they fixed everything. Like it they was a magical it? dust. And it was like, give us your soul and then they dusted him and, and everything te- was perfect. And then he smiled and everything was wonderful. Yes. Be nice to the Scientologists. I am. I just said they work wonders. Uh, Teen Teen Titans Go to the movies Mm -hmm. is coming out this week. And are you a Teen Titans person? Actually, I am. And it's almost it's self-aware in the way that Deadpool is. They will break the fourth wall. And it's about, if you don't know about Teen Titans Go, it's the younger versions of superheroes. And it asks the questions, what would it be like if superheroes had actual fun? And they lived in our world and deal with our uh, uh, problems of boredom and so forth. And so they get into hijinks, they have, and they actually make fun of the DC movie universe. This is an animated feature. And if you know anything about Warner Brothers and DC features, uh, animated features, they've always done very well, but they necessarily haven't released them to the wider public. So this is a good test to see if the animated features have an audience beyond just the download and, and the home market. One of the inside jokes I loved about one of the trailers I saw was uh, some of the characters talking and behind them was a Batman versus Superman <laughs> Yawn <Yes>. of Justice <laughs> poster on there, uh, it, behind them. It it's aware, funny. and they make fun of it, and there's some F-bombs in this. When I was at Comic-Con, they debuted a trailer for it, which had an F-bomb, which was not well-received. Oh, really? Because people thought, okay, you're just going too far at that point. Right. But they are testing the water and also the limits and the boundaries as far as what people will accept from a quote-unquote cartoon movie. Spe- I've been trying to get him to stop saying the F-word for a long time now. <laughs> Speaking of Comic-Con. Like Farron? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How was Comic-Con? You had another... I mean, Are you recovered? Like sixth year in a row, is it? Or? I, yes. I will tell people, it's. imagine going to Disneyland for three days in a row, not going on any of the rides, and walking all three days of the park. No. With can't a lot of it. weird people around you. It's, it can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> it can be fun, but when we're going there, we're going there to put on a show. We're not going there to have fun and sit in the panels and, and do all those things. The accoutrement of Comic-Con. Yeah. Yeah. So well, you do a great job covering it, so thank you for us. Well, thank you. We, we, enjoy we enjoy it from a distance, yeah. like Los Angeles distance. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this weekend on the Mo Kelly Show. We're going to actually be giving away passes to Christopher Robin. Oh, wow. So be on the listen out for that. And if you grew up with Winnie the Pooh, it, it takes me back to when I was four or five years old. So it's not, obviously not about Winnie the Pooh. It's about Christopher Robin who grows up and then sort of loses his innocence and connection to that part of his life. Yes. And then he, he gets it back, right? We have to find oh, it. Oh, it's get it a back cliffhanger. Got to yes. get it back in the end. Mo, thank you very much. Thank you. Mo Kelly there. And uh, make sure you listen to the Mo Kelly Show Saturday and Sunday, 6 to 8, both nights right here on KFI. We'll come back. We are live today at HQ Gastropub, 5th and PCH right oh, here hey, in Huntington wait, Beach. I'm in a, I'm in a, Petros and Money had a t-shirt cannon, but oh, luckily we have cannons for arms. There's, 
there's lights and stuff. But don't hit the glassware. All right. All right. Let me just let me try this one. Here okay. Here we go. Touchdown. There's one. Uh, we have some stuff to give away. We'll do that in the next break. Let's so try another if, one. If you're here, you're about to get some stuff. About over here. Oh man, that's long. Gary and Shannon Pam, will Pam, continue. Pam, will you help me? Pam, get the guy behind you. There you go. That man right there. Look at that. <laughs> Alley oop. We are live today, HQ Gastro Pub in Huntington Beach, wrapping up uh, what's been a fantastic show. Thanks to everybody who has shown up today. We still have some uh, some T-shirts and some. What is that? Is that a tank? It's a top? tank top. All right. Maybe for the children. Okay. Let's Give see here. I'm going long. Wow. No. Oh! oh wow! Nice catch. Congratulations. <laughs> Uh, all right, before we uh, before we wrap up today, we wanted to make sure that we thanked uh, HQ Gastro Pub. Mark Matters is with us. Uh, Mark's like, please don't throw anything yeah. else. <laughs> throw that throw that mic on. Hit that little button right there. there you go. So, hey, first of all, thanks for having us. Oh, it's been awesome. Great, great crowd. Good. It. Yeah, awesome guys. Hey, thank you. Hey, how how long has uh, has this location been open? HQ six at, months. At six months. Oh, only wow. six months. Only six months. This yeah. is but and this is good. So this is going to be your first U.S. Open. Yes, this is going to be a fantastic Wild. week for you guys. Yeah. Gonna You're not going to sleep. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Fourth of July was Fourth of July was crazy, but oh, this is going to be crazier. And then the air show comes after. It's always something on going on in this community, which is great. Yeah. Are you from around here? No, I live in uh, Woodland Hills, but I'm moving out here. Okay. Yeah. Well, Woodland Hills is still kind of around here, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. It's not like you're yeah. from uh, you know Detroit, <laughs> North Texas, or something yeah. like that. About an hour and twenty minutes away. Uh, what can people expect uh, when they come here? I mean, we've had a great time being here, but you have an opportunity now to explain what this is, the experience of eating at HQ Gastropub. Well, it's good food, uh, good drinks, good times. Uh, we've got everything from sushi to chicken pot pie. And uh, 32 beers on tap, 32 in the bottle, great wines, and uh, great craft cocktails. And it's an open-air atmosphere, by the way. Uh, the windows roll up, and you're looking at the Pacific Ocean. The breeze is coming in, so it doesn't get too hot. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's perfection. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. Yeah. It's very cool. Do you awesome. have good relationships with the, the other restaurant owners around here? And yeah, they're or all... Or do they hate you right now for your success? No, no, no. They're actually really awesome. All of the bar owners and restaurant owners and people. This community's great. Great community here. What's yeah. your favorite you know, thing on the menu? Oh, man. I know. It's like it's, picking it's a different, children. different week. I mean, you know, oh, sometimes okay. it's a chicken pot pie. Could be the short rib tacos you guys were talking about. Could be the black and blue burger. You know, there's so many good Do you things. ever take a mac and cheese ball, split it in half, and throw it in a hamburger just for kicks? Oh, yeah. Okay. okay good. Absolutely. Good. We See? thought we were the only ones who would fantasize about no, that. No, we try so. to do all kinds of different stuff with uh, this menu. What about the best employee on the floor right now? Uh, that would have to be all of them. Oh, <laughs> now they Very smart. No, they're all great. We have such a great staff here. They really care. They're genuine I, people. I thought we were going to get you there because you did look around like you were going to find somebody. In Donnie's there. the guy, though. Donnie's my general manager over there. He runs oh, around. Awesome. There he is. Yeah. Well, thanks again. Thanks for having us today. We appreciate it. We'll come yeah. back and visit sometime. Thank you Thank guys you. very much. Awesome. Thank you. Do you want to give away some T-shirts? Yeah, we have some T-shirts and stuff to give away uh, and some, some tank, tank tops as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I don't know where to throw it. We can't That's the really. Thing is, we got to be careful because there's light fixtures. There's. I know there are light fixtures, and uh, the bill goes to iHeartMedia if it. 
Oh, oh. see, that's like the, that's like stealing the foul ball from the kid at the at the Cubs game. Come on, that's too bad. Uh, keep going. You got some more. I know. I'm, I'm looking for a tank top. Uh, oh, sh- yes. Okay. I don't know if I can make that. Wow. Pass. You cannot make that okay, pass. I, can, I guarantee you. I'm going to move closer. <laughs> uh, a reminder that, by the way, today is free movie Friday with Adam tickets. They're giving uh, you a chance at a couple of free movie tickets. Uh, you can text the word reporter to Adam one right now for your chance to win those two tickets. A-T-O-M-1. Text the word reporter to Adam one. It's the Adam tickets app where you can browse movie titles. Buy tickets, invite friends, pre-order concessions, all from your phone, and skip the lines. Standard data text message rates may apply. Big thank you uh, also to the other people who helped out with the show today. Corbin Carson is up in that uh, up in that fire, of course, in um, uh, up in Idlewild. Alex Stone was with us. Jennifer Jones Lee helped us talk about everything. We had Megan Hughes on today. We had Mo Kelly. We had Dean Sharp. I told you we would have special guests today. I'm worried about you as you make your way further into the afternoon. Why? Well, the 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 pulled what was it? Uh, the the short ribs tacos. That's how, what it was. Great short rib tacos. How quickly did you eat those? Fourteen seconds. Three yeah. full tacos. Fourteen seconds. Yeah. I think I'll be okay. You're gonna make it. You had a, a half a bite of your sliders and then checked out because you knew well, that you were gonna continue. You saw what happened to me. Yes. <laughs> I looked over. On, I was on the second bite of my slider and you were on the third taco. And the look on your face was, oh, I no. still have to speak words. That's what happens. Hey, what was your favorite story of the day? My favorite story of the day was probably all the fuss over Kimberly Guilfoyle. I don't think it's that big of a deal. There's this big HR investigation that apparently was un, un, or was opened when she was still at Fox News. And it was all about her being catty about other female stars on, on, this, on the show or on the network. That kind of happens in TV, I've heard. I, I don't know firsthand, but I've heard stories from yeah, friends in TV that it's pretty cutthroat catty land. I was going to say, we know enough TV people and have worked with enough of them that, that it's totally believable that yeah. that type of an environment is is uh, whether it's encouraged, I don't know, but it's at least accepted. That and it's that, gonna happen. And I think that's an interesting point you hit on. I think it is encouraged some places. I mean we've worked well, at you, places you want to know who's who wants you the want job competition. More. Healthy competition yeah. elevates people to their the next level. But this uh, HR investigation about the, I guess the biggest bombshell was she was showing her colleagues pictures of genitalia that men had sent her. Now uh, I think everybody would would do that. If I was in the dating world and uh, men were sending me pictures of genitalia, I would show you guys. I would show you guys every time. I'd say, look what this jackass sent me. Uh, we did have a coworker actually did send us a D pic uh, while we were talking about that earlier in the show, and uh, it, it's a picture of of, of uh, Richard Nixon walking along the beach. But it was the technically, I guess, it qualifies as. Anyway, <laughs> uh, again, thank you to uh, to HQ Gastro Pub. How about Blake? You throw a couple yeah, of those. Yeah, come shirts. on, Blake. Let's show. You show got the young arm. That's not going to don't uh, don't hit don't. anything, oh, Blake. Boy. Oh boy. Oh, nice oh, sidearm. Nice sidearm. Yeah, too fast for her. That was too much. We have a couple more of these things that we're going to give away. So come on up to the uh, to the table here. But again, a big thank you to HQ Gastro Pub, uh, U.S. Open. Of surfing, brought to you by Van Steve Van Doren. I forgot to mention Steve for uh, coming on the phone with us a little bit earlier. And and reminder, 
We are going to do these news and brews over and over again. And, in fact, we have one uh, at least tentatively scheduled for next month, and we'll tell you where that location is going to be. But we hope to get out and have more fun. So when you guys go back and tell all your friends how much fun you had, make sure that you – see, he had fun. You, you make sure that you tell everybody that you listened to the Gary and Shannon show, and then you went out to the news and Bruce, and you had a great time. Drive safe, everybody. We'll see you Monday. Stay dry. John and Ken are next? Nah, it doesn't matter. <gasps> How dare you? That's it. That's it. That is it. Gary and Shannon.